0: Hey, we don't serve their kind here. What? The joints They left the wait outside. We don't want them. <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to the Vintage Rebellion Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Hutchinson, and you're listening to episode 71, Bosk Cat. Joining us tonight, as always, it's Peter Davis. Good evening, Pete. Richard! Right,
2: uh, I think we better explain Bosk Cat, aren't we, just in case people don't know who Bosk Cat is.
1: Well, go on then, explain Bosk Cat, and I can't remember myself if it's us or the Americans refers to it as Top Cat.
2: We're the, we're the naughty ones, basically, to cut a very long story short, which I don't normally do. It was Top Cat in America. And that's where the song, you know, Top Cat. And then because of, we had a brand of cat food over here called <laughs> Top Cat, we had to, they had to be changed. So if you, if you watch the UK version of the cartoon where well, they changed to Boss Cat, you'll see things don't quite fit. But they still call them Top Cat and some of the graphics are still top cat so yeah it was us we, we were messing around all down to cat food
3: it was really confusing because Benny used to call him TC didn't he <laughs> exactly <laughs> who's TC? TC yeah <laughs> What not BC that would have gone even more confusing it would have gone biblical
2: boss cat boss cat
1: and another way it works is because we've got Officer Dibble here so fresh from a diecast chat with the guys from the Generation Skywalker podcast it is Andy Norton also known as Andy Spoons good evening Andy Good evening, Rich. How are you all doing? Doing fine, Andy. And I just mentioned Generation Skywalker podcast there, so for those who have not heard about it, former Vintage Rebellion hosts Stuart Skinner and Jez have launched a new podcast which covers... Vintage, and modern, and the movies, and we've got lots and lots of other things planned. Also on there is Mark Daniels, Craig Spivey, Simon McCorn, and they're going to have a few guests on. So I'm sure there's going to be some crossover stuff in the future that we're all looking forward to. So good luck in your ventures, guys. And Andy Spoon's last time, but perhaps he'll be Jason this time. Who knows? You can never really put him down. It's Andy Preston. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, lads. How are you all doing? Well, yeah, but so it's been interesting times again, so you've just led with nicely actually into our topic. Because I was listening to a podcast not so long ago, and it might have been the kind of customer Memory where they talked about how things are just a little bit too negative and, and everybody needs to lift in and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to jump down to our topical issue, because I'm looking at the show notes here, and Spoons has been very naughty and shoved his show notes in the wrong place. Uh, so I'm just going to ignore all that for the moment. So topical issue, what I've asked you all to do is to have a rundown of what people are doing that's keeping positivity going in the lockdown. Okay, so I know that we are in lockdown, or at least 95% lockdown. The states are in lockdown. There's various other places in lockdown as well. Um, And I've asked all of you to choose one area that you would like to be grateful for um, that keeps positivity going in the lockdown. Andy Preston, let's start with you. Yeah, cheers,
4: Rich. Well, the one I want to give a shout out to is Gus Lopez. Uh, We've seen quite a lot of people putting up videos of their collection and tours of collecting rooms and so on. Gus, really, I mean, we all know what Gus's collection is like. He's got such a fantastic collection of stuff. He's put up, there must be six or seven videos now uh, over the last week or two. He's been highlighting cast and crew items, original costumes, original props, um, food-related items. We've had toys, we've had prototypes to see what he's got in that collection is just fantastic and the stuff in there that uh, I don't think he's often shared before he's had videos previously but they're a few years old now uh, so it's lovely to get that tour of his uh, his house, the Boba Cabana he calls it, fantastic name uh, just to see all those wonderful goodies I'd recommend that to anybody videos are posted on his own Facebook page but they've been shared quite widely through some of the other groups, uh, certainly Bespin Prime they're on and some of the others so uh, yeah if you have an hour or two to kill go and have a look up um some of gus's videos uh, you really won't regret it whatever your collecting interest is in there's something for you in there as i say the breadth of this guy's collection is just staggering he's a really good host as well explains everything really
1: well and uh, yeah fantastic way to pass a few hours You've just said there one to two hours, I think he's done about seven or eight videos now and each of those is easily an hour, maybe even longer, so there's a a lot of videos. I think it would take you a full day to go through all the videos that he's put up there. I, I really like the way that he's broken it down as well, so... He's going to do his food premiums and cereal boxes. So if you're not interested in those, you can miss that video out. And he's done a pre-production one as well. I, I love the way he does it. And yeah, thank you, Gus, and ev- everybody else. I mean, I put a video up showing some of my collection. It was only about six minutes long, but I got loads of feedback on it. And I did that because of the amount of people who've been sharing their collections online. It's been absolutely fantastic. I'm going to jump to me now because on, whoa, was it Saturday or Sunday night? I want to say it was Saturday night. I got an invite to the Georgia Alliance of Star Wars Collectors. So this is one of the American groups, the G-E-S-W-C, which I've talked about before. And as luck would have it, I was actually put into three online chats or meetings at exactly the same time. So one was with Trucks, and I had to say to Fantatrax, guys, look, I'm sorry, guys, I can't come on tonight. One was with the Georgia groups. I said again, you know, sorry, guys, I can't come on tonight. Um, so I got my first chat finished, which I'll come back to later on. And then when I came off there, I just popped back into the Georgia one to see if they were still going. And i I tell you something, I'm really, really glad that I did join in, even though I was quite late, because some of the stuff that they talked about was brilliant. So that chat... I don't have everybody's name on here, so I'm going for memory. it definitely had, um, an apologies if I butcher anybody's name here, uh, Brian Emery was definitely on there, uh, ryan Justin Haney, who set it all up. So, cheers, Justin, uh, for coordinating that, for leading on it, and for moderating it really well. Absolutely brilliant. Jesse Cedar Soberman was on, Trevor Enkle, um Ed Nagy, Will russ David Quinn. David Quinn was absolutely brilliant. He talked and talked and talked about uh, pre-production with modern figures, and uh, he showed some of his stuff off. Stuff off, it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, Will Ross was there, and um, Fons Fons was there um, with his bottle of vodka and um, taking some cheeky drinks. Uh, Tony Johansson guy called Jason but I couldn't even begin to pronounce his surname but he had an amazing collection in the background of, of modern Power of the Force 2 figures and oh, how many people I reckon there was probably about twenty people off and on who were just joining in, listening or chatting away and then logging back off again. And I think I stayed in that for about forty five minutes and it was absolutely awesome and it's great to be, you know, a part of a little family and getting welcomed like that. And we talked about celebration and we talked talking about pre-production items we talked about auctions that are coming up uh and it was all super super positive so thank you to everybody who took part in that and whenever the next one is tag us in there so pete anything that you've been spotting
2: yeah i mean i i, I you know the, the collection stuff is amazing uh, there was a guy and i can't I, I don't write his name down but he'd uh i think it was a german guy i think but he would built this amazing kind of like ongoing diorama that seemed to go all the way around this loft space it had vintage stuff it had Star wars it had any kind of science fiction thing and they were all molding together uh scenes kind of molding together it was absolutely fantastic I we'll have to try and find that and uh, put it on the social media I don't know if you, if you guys saw it if you know what I'm talking about it was an unbelievable display um it, it was a lifetime's work it seemed it was just brilliant but I think I like the silly and the daft stuff uh, there's a guy who started putting uh, those wobbly eyes on his vintage figures which just daft things like that with your kids just kill me uh they really do they're just thinking that's just brilliant loads of people making dioramas Uh, a lot of people who've started to make little display scenes yeah they've they've started to measure out their ikea display cabinets and start to make dioramas so i think that's what you want to be doing in this thing get creative it's like i've been making all sorts of crazy stuff hopefully i'll put some pictures online but uh Googly eyes, IG eighty eight with googly eyes. It just makes the figures look far, far better. You know. They are they do look wonderful with anything looks good great with googly eyes. I also saw some people with someone who'd been creative with girl had made her dad put a zip line out of her bedroom and uh, was was taking her twelve inch um Star Wars dolls down the zip line into the back of the garden. I mean, just things like that. Just you know, You've got all these action figures. Do some action stuff with them. That's what I think we want to see more of that sort of stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just just silly little things. I mean, uh, we also had Michael Havens from the ICCCCCCC reading one of the Star Wars novels. We um, got permission from the author to actually read it. And over the days, we did about, I don't know, a couple of chapters a day. Probably didn't quite realise how long it takes to read a book and put it online. I've got the entirety, the entire uh, the entire June book uh, audio books. I didn't realize the first book's 15 hours of uh, of audio. <laughs> That's just the first book. You know how long the June books are. They're very long. So I could be taking probably till Christmas to listen to all those. But uh, yeah, I think I think Michael doing that is pretty cool. Getting better and better every every episode. I'll be listening. In. Um, he started to sound a bit more actory. But uh, I think bless him. I mean, I think some, doing something like that. It's basic stuff, but it does keep you entertained, gives you something to look forward to every day. It's good fun as well. Um, I think you should get some mates to
1: do some sound effects for him. Well, he's on to book two now, Pete. I think he's uh, ploughing his way through a dark force rising. <laughs> so good on you, Mike. Yep, certainly. And Officer of Dibble in Silly People, so leading nicely once again, Andy Norton. You're getting it all tonight. Well done, Pete, for that segue. So, Andy, what have you spotted online?
3: Well, I must say I've not seen uh, Pete's googly eyes people before they're they're brilliant I don't know if the other people doing that are aware there's actually a Facebook group called strictly googly where they just do that on sort of random objects and things around houses around the villages whatever uh, it's worth having a look at that I've I've actually struggled to look at all the content out there I'm still still working as I know some of you are and some of these videos do go on for a long time, so it's a, it's a big commitment. So I've I've tended to stick to the the, the shorter stuff. So David Demarchis is doing a miscard of the day. So d- during the lockdown, just different item from his collection each day. It's really interesting. A lot of miscards there I've not seen before. Uh, Ed Jedi on the on Star Wars Forum UK just posting pictures of his kids playing with his beaters. You know that's what Star Wars toys are for. They are you know action figures for playing with, and that's really really nice to see i have have managed to have a look at a few of the The videos of collections and they are and they are great it's all yours rich and it's interesting actually the the divide i suppose between uk collections and those in the states also saw carl dennis's um a few shells of of items there. really interesting really nice and then you sort of contrast that with um one i saw on the 12 back group jeff jacobs and if any any of you saw this and his collection and his in his basement. His basement must have been bigger than most people's houses yep. in the UK. It was enormous. And I think he it must be a builder by trade because he was I was as interested in, in the display as what was being displayed. So the shelves he'd built for his, his boxed items were bespoke for the collection, even though it wasn't complete. He knew exactly what he wanted and so there was a couple of items he didn't yet have, so he, he built the shelves big enough to leave gaps for those. And once once you'd have them, he was going to draw the line at it. And that and that you know having that firm an idea about what what you're collecting is is interesting enough. But that was a, I think a forty five minute video. I, I kind of watched the first ten fifteen and kind of life life got in the way and, and then skimmed through the rest. But really really amazing stuff. Um, I thought he had a bar. I think he had a bar in there. Disappointingly, the micro collection stuff, which I'm a big fan of, was hidden away behind the bar a little bit. I thought that should have been out front and centre. And you know, there's a, a Zia Zia Resvi, I've, he's got a few videos out there which are on my uh, list to watch. I've yet yet to get round to doing that, but um, but I will do. But there's just there's just loads of great stuff. I think if you are at home bored and starved of vintage Star Wars. Just get yourself online, everybody's doing something and there's something for everybody there for all, all manner of
1: tastes Yeah, I definitely echo that Jeff Jacob video, I was going to bring that one up as well that is staggering I think that, that guy's like a focus collector of every character, it's just awesome and he's not just a collector he's also somebody who truly understands his pieces, so guys were asking him questions and he was going ah oh, yes, the 45 be whatever yep that's over there and he would he would point it out or you would say i've got a gap here because that piece is going to go there he was absolutely brilliant it was about an hour an hour and a half and i think his wife had uh, gone around with him so he's done a few videos but that's the best one i've seen yet but also other quick shout outs that I want to do. Obviously Ron Salvatore, Jonathan McLean, the guys on the SWCA, they have released at least one blog post. Absolutely brilliant. So it's great keeping that stuff going. But even Ron's posts over on pretty much every Facebook group now, where he puts the vintage ad, some of those ads are absolutely brilliant. And it's stuff like, certainly us in the UK, we're never going to see them, you know. So great putting stuff like that out. Obviously the Generation Skywalker guys, ourselves, and Kivecast and um, still churning out podcasts quite regularly you know there's so much stuff out there and we've said there's plenty of times you know you don't have to follow everything just pick and choose um, what you want to and now i think people have worked out facebook controls and got much better and um, i think the groups overall have got much better so lots and lots of good positivity out there in these super bad times so moving on then guys then let's talk about our latest purchases so I'm going to start off with myself because I've had nothing for the last couple of months now um, and I still haven't sorted out the inn to send over my um, Black Upie. But two collectors have contacted me about the missing Empire Strikes Back tin. So if you remember, I did buy the full set at, at for this this a Christmas but for some reason the Boba Fett tin just completely disappeared out of my bag. So huge shout out to both of the collectors who contacted me. Um, and offered me a free replacement it was massively appreciated I did say initially that I didn't want one but that was when I was planning on celebration and there's no chance whatsoever that celebration is going ahead this year and, and even if it did very very slimly it would be a UK a US only celebration that there's not flights the flights have been cancelled leaving Heathrow and various other places to Los Angeles in August so it ain't going to happen um, so because of that, obviously I don't need to be as careful, saving me pennies, etc. Thanks to uh, the two guys, so I'm, I'm not going to name either of them, but you both know who you are. I now have the Boba Fett tin, so that was my nice little pick up this month. Boons, okay. Have you been busy? Um, it's been a while since you were on, so what have you picked up?
3: Yeah, I've had um, a good couple of months. Uh, the, the first pickups are kind of tinged a little bit of sadness because of the result of Justin Lee selling up his collection, and I think it's always. Always sad when collectors decide to do that. Uh, totally uh, ju- justify reasons. I think he's got his, his eye on a bit of land in Mexico, which uh, sounds like a fantastic opportunity. So he was selling up his die-cast collection. So I picked up three real toughies in one go, and that's the Canadian snowspeeder, a 21-back land speeder, Kenner kind of land speeder, which wouldn't, doesn't sound particularly rare when you say it like that, but uh, until put the website together and and talking to people like Justin. in fact i think it was justin who who first spotted it we didn't even know it existed so that was um you know it's it's actually a really hard one to find been looking for a few years and and not found one and lastly a real grail for the diecast run the meccano land speeder it's a it's a reseal but one of the uh, the imports into france as a clipper card which is rare enough on its own and then has a, a Meccano sticker on so that you know that was, was really made up with that and pride of my collection now and and i've also picked up the final few stickers for my run of fascal stickers and that that's a sort of a different kind of run uh, I'm, i've been saying it's been 37 years in the making got very few things from from my childhood uh, and i remember picking up some of these fascal stickers from a gift shop in Cornwall on a holiday when I would have been about 10, I mean, say 37 years be around about then probably about 10 and have these sort of like these bootleg stickers, quite garish colors. I remember at the time I picked up an R2D2, storm stormtrooper, the Imperial troops one and, and a star Wars sticker. And I remember at the time thinking why, why is a stormtrooper yellow? There's a princess Leia. She's got a red dress on, you know, it's just sort of random colors, but they're really interesting. And, I, I'm very nostalgic for me. And so I, ha- I managed to hang on to just the Star Wars sticker because I, I stuck it to a chess set uh, around that time, which I hung on to for some reason. I'm not a big chess player, but that chess set has stuck with me. And that just happens to be the rarest sticker, which was which was fortunate. And then last year at, at Echo, I picked up a few more uh, from Martin Woodgate, LOM, off the forums. And, uh, and he gave me a shout just a couple of weeks ago saying there was an eBay seller, with the four remaining stickers i needed i bought another sticker of martin at the time so um i've now got the full set so, so it's a really nice looking set very happy
1: and pete then so have you broke your hiatus on purchasing this month i have a feeling you might <laughs> well yeah um i've
2: had some rather bizarre purchases it's uh it's quite nice actually on the on some of the modern forms i was after jigsaws for my dear old mom who's obviously locked down and uh, a couple of people came forward and gave. Well, someone gave me a 2,000-piece Star Wars uh, Episode 1 Star Wars jigsaw for her. Unfortunately, it's kind of done her back in. <laughs> 2,000 pieces. You don't realize how big that is. I mean, it's about a metre by three-quarters of a metre. I put it on a big board for her. And, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of done her in, so uh, bless people for that. But, um, yeah, um, I got, for some bizarre reason, I got some Star Wars books, because I thought I'd get some reading done, uh, some novels, um, EU novels, and then uh, there, there was uh, a bunch of tauntauns kind of going, <laughs> kind of going loose. You know, the old, old split belly tauntauns, and I thought, I've got to give them a home. I now have six tauntauns. Uh, I have my childhood tauntaun and five of those, all a little bit, You know, little tiny bits missing. Someone's missing a little bit of tail. Someone's missing a horn. Someone's missing a little bit of an ear. So I've given them a home. I've given them a home. Maybe finally the Torn Torn Sanctuary will be uh, up and running. But uh, maybe people out there can name them. I'll put pictures of them up, you know, wearing their costumes. But uh, I rescued them because they were very dirty. It takes quite a while. By the way, if anyone wants to clean a Torn Torn open belly, here's a tip for you. Soak them. About a couple of days in warm water, and then go at it if they're really filthy and moldy. Go at it with a a metal, you know, dishcloth thing, a scouring pad thing, because there's a lot of scrubbing, but the stuff does come off on that rubbery kind of stuff. Mold attached itself, but you need to soak it and scrub it. But yeah. Uh, torn toads. A couple of other things, Rich. Haven't no, 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 don't
1: go, don't go. Come on, you, you, you're talking about name and torn tones, man. You've got six of them, right? So you've got to get a seventh <laughs> one. You've got, they've got to be spoofs on Santa's reindeers, but you, you, you need torn Torn spoofs, okay? So, but anyone's
2: hey, got any torn out there? They don't want. a bit wrecked. So let me have them. I'm going to just keep acquiring random torn tones giving them names. <laughs> so I want to know what one that name's them for. What's missing a horn. What's missing a bit of an ear. I need names. I need names for these things. I should put pictures up. We'll start Torn Sanctuary off. It's an idea me and Grant talked about many years ago <laughs> about giving dead Torns a home. Oh, not dead Tauntorns. Injured Tauntorns. But uh, yeah. But yeah, a couple of things come in on the way. Uh, didn't turn up in time. Really annoyed. Uh, obviously, it's gonna, things are going to take a while to get here. But uh, yeah, a couple of rather strange odd items come in.
4: But there we go. Yeah, it's me done. On to the, uh, the pee. Cheers, Pete. Yeah, nice to see we've got another focus collector starting on the podcast. Uh, Joining Rich with his archives, we can see the uh, the Davis Torn Torn Ranch. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it grow. (laughs) So yeah, what have I picked up? Um, Well, we did the feature on Panini last month. So uh, me and Jason Smith, between us, I think have been hoovering up eBay. Uh, I picked up some of the comics that have got features on Panini. Uh, so uh, I've got a couple of Eagle comics and a uh, couple of 2000 AD comics with um, bits on Jedi. And I also managed to find four um, sealed Panini packets, not the top ones. These are the European Panini ones. Uh, very hard to come by. So uh, great to find those. Uh, got those in from the States. I also uh, bargain, I think, of the month, a Palatoy Droid Factory R2-D2. Uh, this one was listed on eBay. Um, it was put up just as a uh, R2-D2 and R5-D4, the person obviously didn't have a clue what they were selling. The middle leg was missing, so I guess um, people wouldn't have spotted it necessarily as a Droid Factory R2. The stickers were off, um, so the stickers were lying alongside it, and I managed to pick up the two, the R2 and the R5, for uh, just over 40 quid, so uh, very pleased with that. Um, um, that was uh, a nice one to add to my, my little loose collection. And uh, also in the action figure collection, um, i got a short V power droid. Um, nice little variation, one that I had not got before. Found that one cheap and, uh, again, nice to, to, to pick that one up. Uh, I got an eight track of the Sounds of Star Wars album uh, by the Sonic All-Stars. Uh, that's a, an English one, so uh, I've already got the uh, official soundtrack on 8-track, so that's another 8-track to add to uh, that little run. I picked up um, the Palatoy. Uh, full colour Boba Fett poster that Mark Daniels has produced. This is based on the old black and white comics ad. Uh, Mark's uh, colourised it and produced it as a, uh, a palatoy poster, what might have been a shop display poster back in the day. Absolutely beautiful, so really pleased with that and uh, fantastic work. Thank you, Mark. Great artistic skills as ever. But I think my favorite acquisition this month is a bootleg piece, and this is a space battle target game. I seem to recall Simon McCohen showing off one of these uh, on the podcast a little while ago. As I say, it's a bootleg, so it's not an official Star Wars piece, Uh, but the the box art includes um, what is obviously supposed to be an X-Wing. You've got R2-D2 and you've got a Stormtrooper. Uh, Inside, you've got a couple of uh, little guns, a blue gun and a red gun that fire little balls. And you've got 3 knockdown targets. And again, you've got uh, two R2-D2-type characters and a Chewie-type character. They're really fun. I love, love, love the artwork. Uh, Box is a bit uh, battered so that's a bit of a restoration project i'm uh, fixing that one up now uh but uh yeah i absolutely love this piece
1: um so uh, yeah favorite pickup of the month definitely cheers pete thank you some nice items there andy and makes a change from your usual bunch of rubbish so moving on then who's ready for a quiz well even if you're not we're moving on to the quiz anyway uh my turn for the quiz this month although it probably isn't but i've had a bit of time to get working on with the quiz it's very very simple okay incredibly simple this all i'm going to ask you to do guys is to name the character that's it you've just got to name the character so i've got two characters that were released um on star wars cards and um, from a new hope i've got two characters for empire and i've got two characters um from return of the jedi going all the way through to power of the force trial logo and you're going to get one guess each and you get one point for the answer, but I've just, just realized actually that I'm not keeping score, so I'm gonna try and keep it in my head. Or I'll just do a I'll just do an Andy Presson. Um I'll just see Jason one. Um and if you get an incorrect any incorrect answer at all, it freezes you out of the question completely. Okay, so that will become more obvious as we go through this, I'm sure. So we're gonna start off with a new hope guys, okay? And I'm just gonna read some statements out, and as soon as you think you know who this character is, I want you to shout it out. And uh, if you're right, you get a point, And if you're not, you've got to be quiet until the next character comes up. Okay, so are you ready? Ready as I'll be. Let's do it, Rich. You're not ready. Okay. So, character one from A New Hope. I'm a very accurate likeness of my movie screen character. I was renamed later on in my corded run, which went Death from... squad commander and you're out which went from Star Wars right through to Power the Force and TriLogo. I was often photographed on boxes flying vehicles which I never did in any movie the Takara version of me is a different sculpt and I have a bolt in my back C-3PO and you're out as well, so who's out? <laughs>
3: this is so easy. Come on, Pete. I'm <laughs> okay. st- still not even going to get it after this
1: one. <laughs> We're just Storm- left with Pete now. Storm- Stormtrooper. I have four points of articulation. This may account for how poorly I performed across all three original movies. Stormtrooper. Stormtrooper. Well done, Pete. So, okay, so you're racing to leave of one point. The last two <laughs> clues... The last clues were I came with one accessory and I am two colours. Well done Pete Stormtrooper. Okay, everybody's back in now. Character two, still on the Star Wars. I am often the figure that is blamed as encouraging the collecting bug. I came with one accessory, although three may have been better. My carded run went from Star Wars right through to Power the Force and Trilogo. The word Fighter was added to my name later in the carded run. Multiples of me could have been purchased to play different characters from the movie. Luke, Luke
3: X-Wing. X-Wing. yeah.
1: Right, I think I was Andy Preston first on that one. Okay, so well done, Andy Preston. The last Sorry clue. Sorry, spoons. It, that's was spoons. All right. it was
3: spoons, was it? No, no, give that to Andy, that's fine.
1: Yeah, I think that was Andy Preston. Right, so the last clue was goggles or hair. Okay, so that was our clue on that one. Right, okay, so we've got Andy Preston and we've got uh, Pete both on one. Moving on to Empire oh. then. I had a very quick name change as my original name wasn't exciting enough. I came with one accessory, which is clearly correct, but many collectors argue that two may be more appropriate. Luke Hoff,
3: hand solo in Hoff outfit.
1: Well done, Andy Spoons. Ah. Okay, well done, Han Solo in Hoth Battle Gear. So the other things you could have said were, uh, I have lots and lots of variations of a surprisingly high number of figures with different legs. I have a feature where you can place my accessory for safekeeping. Some would argue my figure should be brown and not the colour I am. My hood is not removable and moulded legs and painted leg variants exist. So that's all one each. How exciting is this?
3: I had to get that one, didn't I, with my focus? You had
1: to, you had to. You you couldn't have... uh, You couldn't have lived for yourself if you didn't. Right. Character 2 in Empire. I appeared in an exclusive playset before I appeared as a carded figure. My image on the Tri-Logo card back is completely different from the original. Collectors pay special attention to my breast pockets for variations. uh... My zipper... Is thicker on some variations. I had a slightly different name on the Canadian skin-wrapped cards where another character was also Imperial named. Imperial Commander. Nope. Oh, I, I, I know, wrong words, yeah. <laughs> Although I am a pretty boring figure with one accessory, I did play an important part in the movie. Attack Commander. Nope, so I just left with feet. <laughs> Perhaps I could have had some electronic accessories such as blinking lights. Blinking lights? I came with only one accessory which is standard for a few different figures. Okay, I'll give Pete... Is it one of the bounty hunters? It's not one of the bounty hunters. Mm. Uh, Blinking lights. Uh, Lobot? Well done, Pete. We're oh, looking oh. to the lead there. Eh? Lobot. I like what oh, you do, what? you like Steve Cram and you come from the for, come from behind.
2: That's what she said.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> two for Pete one for Andy and one for the other Andy. Okay, oh, do you know, on. I've never
3: never even knew Lobot had breast pockets.
1: Neither did I the... until I done me research or with yeah. zipper.
3: That's through me. me. I thought, People go mad for them, do they? Apparently. Wow. Uh, see,
2: I thought I thought Lobo before, then when you said breast pockets, I thought, well it's not Lobo, he ain't got any breast pockets, he's just got a um, little nice sort of poofy arms.
1: You know what's gonna happen what's now that? is we're gonna have a whole new range of zipper and breast pocket focus collectors <laughs> going on, now, and you're gonna the see these of sale on Facebook. Fix zipper variant.
3: <laughs> and is that is uh, is that his fly, the zipper, or is that elsewhere?
1: I oh, have got no idea. I didn't check that. But you're the action man guy, you should know.
4: (laughs) (laughs) You've started something now, Rich. Everybody's just going off to check their robots.
1: Right, moving on to Jedi and towards the end of one, okay. So, character one. I came with three accessories, although two are not removable. (laughs) I am one of the best likenesses of any screen character... From any range including modern to date. Controversial. I was only available on Return of the Jedi and Trilogo. I have no individual name. The modern versions pale in comparison compared to the Kenaz version. I have one long accessory. Is it bit Fortuna? It is not bit Fortuna. Ah, two are often needed in dioramas. Emperor's ah. Royal Guard. Ah. Well done, Andy Preston. Emperor's Royal Guard, which is final one, was I am very red in appearance. Okay, so two, two, and a one. Are we going to have a winner, or is Andy going to come along and share the love, and everybody's on two points? I think we all know the answer to this one, don't we? <laughs> all right. I think we, I think we do. Last figure. I have a completely unique feature across the entire vintage collection line. I was only available... I'm
3: going to go for R2-D2 Pop-Up Sabre.
1: You know what? No. (laughs) I am only available on Power of the Force or Trilogo card box. EV99 well done Andy Preston Race, oh, took, took a big gamble there yep yeah, he, he, he he wasn't having taken that one man, was he so the other things were, I have parts that could be removed although it's not recommended I'm often found with missing parts I come with no accessories I was included in the second release of the Jabba Dungeon playset and I have a lever at the back of my head okay so well done Andy Preston uh, racing out with three you certainly know your vintage action figures well done, Andy. Cheers, Boo.
3: guys.
2: I've
1: no idea what Boo. I'm booing for. <laughs> Boo! I was booing. Boo. Right, well, that was a fun little quiz. That took all of about six, six minutes. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think,
3: I think we're flying through this one a bit quick.
1: Yeah, there we good. are. It's a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Right, then. Well, OK, let's race on to any then. So all of the shout-outs and all of the good things that we've seen. OK, so I'm going to start off with spoons and...
3: Yeah, well, I, uh, something I've, I've never seen before. It's on uh, Star Wars Forum UK page two four one nine, and it's Carl uh, Dennis's latest acquisitions. It's actually uh, technically three latest acquisitions. And what he's what he's limelighted is two proof cards from the Return of the Jedi blue tops cards That's series two. I don't. I, I recently picked up some uh, Star Wars tops cards. I'll say recently, about a year ago. I don't know anything about. The Empire Return of the Jedi one, so I found it quite interesting. And what it is, it's essentially they got blank back, so it's it's two parts of the same card. On on one side is the Gamorrean Guard, it's card 170, and on the back is Luke Skywalker in his Jedi gear with a question. And actually, let's let's, let's have the question. It's not one of the hardest questions out there, but let's see if you know. At a first glance from a distance, Luke Skywalker mistakes the Death Star for Dot dot dot. What's the answer? A sausage. Could be because the answer's on the next card, oh. so it doesn't doesn't say on there. Come on, it's not a sausage, is it? What is it, Pete? Two sausages and some <laughs> mash. <laughs> Assume that's that's no moon. Oh. Uh, uh, so uh, yeah, he's got he's got the question, he's got the marine guard, and uh, just quite nice. And uh, and and Carl, I, I just posted on the forum saying that was uh, I like that, and Carl messaged me and gave me a little bit of background info on and I won't divulge what he paid but for uh, vintage Star Wars prototypes they were absolute bargain so, uh, so well done Carl but he also had picked up the colour key Now, I was aware of these I think in um, in uh, Suites, not Sand Suites but it's Kellerman's book well, maybe it' Sansford so it's one of those two they've got the uh, the color key for I think it's parada or something like that certainly one of the one of the the later figures, just the various paints for those and, and that was kind of what I added in my mind when the mention of color key but with these it's essentially transparent versions of that same card so it's a really nice little group it's got in the fronts kind of blue. you know more about these kind of stuff don 't you Pete? the the second card's got a reddish tint. And then the and then the rear of it is kind of the yellow the yellow background for the cyan uh,
2: magenta yellow and black. There we go. <laughs> That's what we call them.
3: Yeah. So he's just got the three on. He's got the three on there, and it wasn't a, wasn't a black one, but they all seem to have a bit of black. But I just just thought it was uh, really interesting. Something I've never seen seen before. And as I say, for uh, for vintage prototypes, seemed like a, quite an affordable thing to collect. So well done, Carl. I'm always amazed at where they get these things from. I mean, who on earth... Did, just where well, you
2: can start to ask to find... Well, funny,
3: funny you should say that, because he, he said uh, he picked it up off a random eBay uh, in America, and I did a little bit of research. It's almost like you teed me up there, Pete. Did a little bit of research, and apparently in 1989, Topps auctioned off everything from their vault. So rather than the Kenner model of chucking everything in the bin... And collectors scavenging and, and and taking it, TOPS clearly were aware of of this stuff having some kind of value or interest, so auctioned it off. So so people bought it back in the day, and Carl was saying that the uh, the person he bought it from on eBay was based really close to the uh, the TOPS factory, um, which off the top of my head I can't remember. I think it might
1: be Pennsylvania,
3: but and then I think the key the color key he got off Matthew.
1: Matthew. Ah, I know how to pronounce his name now after listening to Sky on the on the podcast. So it's it's Matthew Bartelamy.
3: Thank you, Rich, because I was going to struggle there, and I didn't want to uh, insult Matthew. So uh, yeah, he picked up some from from Matthew. So that kind of we see those kind of sales on on various uh, Facebook groups and things, don't we? But I thought it was a nice touch that the other stuff came from someone who bought presumably bought this from the the auction from the Tops Factory.
1: That's a brilliant spot that, love it. Really really good stuff there. Okay, so the one that I spotted was, um, we've had Evan on before, but this is um, Evan Wasserstrom. And he's been after the, oh, speaking about Canadian Skin Wrapped again, he's been after the Canadian Skin Wrapped card figures which every one of them is incredibly tough to find. Um, we we've seen some at Father's Farm when Jason Joine has brought them down from his collection, and obviously everybody pours over the General Vias um, figure. But uh, what Evans managed to get is the Lobot cardback, um, which I think he got from Jonathan Gladwell, who had you know he's, he's starting to sell some of his amazing cardbacks off. Sad to see the set getting broken up, but you know totally understandable with everything that's going on. That some collectors are needing to um, move things on so evan has picked up lobot and it's got a bracket say lando's aid which was the question that i had earlier on and evan has said that it'll certainly do nicely until he manages to get a, a complete one to complete his entire run so absolutely great stuff there um so whenever we're talking about canadian items if we don't go to scott bradley's website then we always get it wrong just a reminder these were the Sears canada exclusive skin wrapped figures Seven of them in the set, Ugnaut, Han, Han Solo Bespin, Dengar, Lobot, there was the General Vias, which is the ATAT commander, um, Luke Skywalker in Hoth, and R2-D2 scope. And the reason why these were skin wrapped is because they were sold in those Canadian seven packs or four packs. The card back art wasn't ready, so it was just simple to whack them on these very, very cheap card stock, skin wrap them up, and um, they've got the holes in so that... The machine could apply them properly. And there's some great information on Scott's website for those who haven't been on there and checked out these in quite a while. So uh, I have said to Scott actually that we'll get him on the show. I think we should probably try and contact him at some point over the next few weeks to see if we can get him on to talk about um, Canadian uh, collectibles because he certainly knows his stuff. Moving on, Andy Preston then and Andy, have you spotted anything that you would like to talk about or give a shout out to? Yeah, thanks, Rich. Uh,
4: SWFUK again. I spotted a post that Kaza put up. Uh, Andy Carrick, he's a regular on there. He's uh, got a lovely collection. And he's put up... Um, a couple of figures, which I'll come on to in a moment, but the first thing he's bought is a Palatoy advert from a uh, comic. This is a full-page advert. I've just put it up on the text chat so you guys can have a look at it. It's done in comic art style, um, so it's uh, it's like a strip cartoon um, featuring uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the Palatoy figures and vehicles and so on. And the artwork is just fantastic. Big bold headline at the top: Can the Empire ever be destroyed? And then it's telling this little mini story. So you've got Luke and Leia on Hoth and Han Solo on his torn, uh, spotting the enemy attack. Darth Vader orders Bosk and IG-88, the bounty hunters, to take Luke alive. And you've got a TIE fighter flying through the asteroids. It says a vicious battle commences in space. The stormtroopers have captured a rebel snowspeeder. You've got Luke consulting with Yoda. Han and Leia escape to the Sky City and meet Lando Calrissian, who arrives in a twin pod cloud car. And then the final panel, it leaves it open. But can Lando be trusted? Will Luke return in time? Does good always triumph over evil? And then the classic tagline, only you can decide with Palitoy. All new Star Wars action figures and vehicles in toy shops now. Just love this advert. As I say, the, ad, the artwork is fantastic. You've got such a great range of the toy stock in there. And that would look really, really good put up in a frame. So great find there from Kazza. But the main part of his post is these three wonderful 20-back Panatoy figures that he's got. I know Andy's got a focus. Um, He's basically trying to collect all the items that he had and that he remembers from childhood. Uh, And that's the action figure line and um, all the Beyond the Toys stuff. Um, Some uh, some of the Palatoy masks and um, some of the board games and transfer sets and things. And I know he's been after for a long, long time a carded Palatoy 20-back Death Star droid. Now, some of you might remember a little while ago, he had a great find picked up for an absolute song on eBay, a Palatoy Large Head uh, hand Solo on 12-back card. Uh, really good find, which I know he was delighted with at the time. And now he's managed to trade that. So uh, he, he says it was a bit of a wrench to let that one go, but he's traded it for these three fabulous 20-backs. Uh, he's got a graded Snaggletooth, uh, 80-grade, um, a hammerhead uh, which doesn't look as if it's graded uh, but uh, looks in lovely condition and then this death star droid again a graded figure 80 80 uh, percent overall and uh, they're just really really lovely and i'm delighted for him that he's finally got that 20 back uh, pelletoy death star droid which is one that he remembers from his childhood collection so uh, made up for him and uh, lovely to see those
1: uh, now in his collection. Awesome stuff there, Andy, as well. There's been some good pickups this month. Pete, anything that caught your fancy?
2: Yeah, uh, this actually came out today, and I have never seen it before in my life. I think, Andy, you saw this as well, because I think you, you liked it. It's on the Collector's Star Wars Bomber Toys group, and as you know, I like spending time there. Uh, Christopher James Leddy had picked up Sakuda Return of the Jedi Endor strategy board game. I've, it, I've never seen it before. I could believe it. It was just the most bizarre looking thing I've ever seen. Now, guys, have you got the picture in front of you? It's just epic. It's
3: a beauty. Very exciting.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, Christopher says that he, he's never heard or seen it before. I think probably says says quite a lot that no one has because a uh, failure of information. I have managed to find some information on it in an amazing website called Board Game Geek. Uh, let me just get it up.
3: I was was just... like, was I, when I saw it on the group, I assumed it was um, a role-playing game. Yeah,
2: it, it, and it also looks very modern as well. I thought that's, that's going to be like 1992 or something, but it wasn't. So sekuda so made three of these board games. They made uh, Star Wars Endor, Star Wars Hoth, obviously back, and Star Wars Death Star. Uh, so it's actually a little three series of board games. But this, this wasn't just some half-fancied idea of a board game. This is a proper in-your-face board game. There's some real detail on it. I mean, the, the parts themselves, you've got hundreds of little little uh, squares for figures, uh, loads of kind of data sheets, uh, puzzle pieces, a beautiful-looking book, which is uh, you know, the actual the book itself, uh, the game of the combat on Moon Endor, which it's called. Um, and you've got kind of a a board piece as well um hexagonal board pieces i mean this thing is is vast and it's it's obviously a very involving game
3: i'm looking at it now it looks incredibly complex isn't it those, um <laughs> sheet, are, are they all the, like these sort of little cardboard pieces are they do you pop those out are they the i'm are assuming they the, so are they I the mean, counters the,
2: the only description we
3: get is complexity level
2: 3 on Sakuda's 1 to 6 scale 1 being easiest so you know it's not easy only released in Japan this is a Star Wars themed hex based war game based not on the entire Return of the Jedi movie but just on Endor the game has no relation to the West End Games Star Wars Battle for Endor game other than being based on the same movie I mean what of that that is a a apparently it takes 90 minutes to play it so it's some short stuff but um, yeah I mean check out We'll put that in the show notes. But uh, this is on a it's featured on a website called BoardGameGeek.com. Just go and search for Star Wars Endo and you'll find it. But, wow, what a fine that is. I wonder how much that cost him.
4: So the, um, a... the,
3: piece, the pieces say Trap. Just <laughs> opening up. Trap Dummy. I, do, uh-huh. I find it interesting, actually, for uh, a Japanese exclusive, you know, that's not sold elsewhere, that there is so much English text on it. So the, the game pieces, clearly Trap Dummy, is something that happens quite a lot because there's a load of the, load of those. There's little pictures of catapults. It's either a shrub or an explosion. <laughs> it looks more like a shrub, so you know it could be something for them hiding behind. You've got the the log on ropes and what looks like a toaster. And I have no, <laughs> no idea what well, that's that's meant to be. That yeah, that does look. I get so tempted. Oh, there's more. Of those little that's pictures of Ewoks.
2: You yeah. need to buy. Well, there's Ewoks. The, the, I think there's an Ewok with a cat with the uh, the swingy catapult thing with the two two rocks in it. There's an Ewok with a bow and arrow. Then it looks like it's just a, the g- the general kind of uh, wicket Ewok picture with him with his spear. And then I think I'm assuming that's a Rebel trooper. We've R2. got an R2 30 I can't quite make that out. Could be a Darth Vader. I'm not quite sure.
3: It like of... looks like the Emperor in Silhouette. Yeah, it does a little bit, yeah. T-W. We've
2: got an A-T-S-T, which I'm not quite sure what it's actually supposed to be, unless it's from the top down, I don't know. But, yeah, just... It's
3: like it's crouched. <laughs> it and, then, and then we've got Rebel Dummies. We've got Trap Dummies and Rebel Dummies.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, just some amazing little pieces. I've, I've, looked, I've looked through the... I'm not sure if it's open, so hopefully... Uh, we can... Oh, no, it's not open, isn't it? It's sealed, isn't it? Oh
3: so we can't go around for a game.
2: We can't go around for a game, I'm afraid, but surely someone must have this somewhere, if you've got it or played it. I mean, goodness, it's just a, an absolute scary one. Actually, the, the book inside actually has the, the Endor in Japanese. That's a fascinating um, bit of graphic, because I mentioned on the thread that had been released on our Facebook group that uh, I thought, oh, yeah, look, Endor's got itself a logo. But the actual composition of the front of the box is... Is very intriguing. Um, you've got stormtroopers on there. There's a stormtrooper looking very, uh, very pensive about, a, about. They have a rock dropped on his head from a, a mm. gliding Ewok. Uh, you've got a, um, a biker scout on his speeder bike. Your Han Solo is shooting at the ATST. You've got Luke. Luke's there. He said, "I'll stuff you, Vader. I'm off for a fight with these stormtroopers, out these comedy bears." You've got. It looks like you've got Rex from Rebels. He's there. The Endor trooper with his with his white beard. Princess is bored of it all. She's, she's looking somewhere else. Sid Beard and rt do hiding in the bushes. And he walks running all over the place. It's just brilliant. What, but I tell you what, check out, guys, if anyone wants a look, go on that website, boardgamegeek.com and have a look at the other two as well. They made, they made three of these. The Death Star one and the Hoth one are equally as bonkers and have got some great artwork on the front of the box. Mm. So
1: yeah, check it out. What a great thing that is brilliant piece i'm glad we came here on last on that one because that's absolutely brilliant certainly something i've never seen before right then guys so we have kept that nice and tidy uh there won't be a lot of editing to do in that one so let's head on over to rebel briefings
2: space war cib and cas get top grading jim stevenson rest in peace
0: the rebel base is on a moon on the far side we are preparing to orbit the planet
2: richard so arco space war this isn't star wars what's going on
1: well every now and again pete we get these little messages tagged in it you know three, four different people all tagged us in and said you've got to check this out, you've got to check this out. So I clicked the link expecting to see something that we've seen a thousand times, something that we've talked about multiple times, and my jaw hit the floor. It was absolutely brilliant. I'm absolutely delighted that John Lennon, who had made this find, this new discovery, if you like as well, has agreed to come on and talk about Arco war and possibly even more importantly, what it is that he's discovered. So let's cut over the interview now. Well, I'm delighted to be joined by John Lennon from Ireland. So good evening to you, John, and welcome to the Vintage Rebellion podcast.
5: Hiya, Richard. How are you?
1: I'm doing fine, John. So thanks very much for your post, which many people initially thought was an April Fool's post. For those who have not seen it, you posted on the 12th back roof first. So can we just first of all go back to the story that you've got and how did you get these items and what are they before we go into the detail on them?
5: Right Richard, well basically what happened was I have relations in California who assist me a lot and help me out in buying bits and pieces of Star Wars and storing them for me over there and packing them and getting them over here to Ireland because of the Cost of shipping large items or multiples, it's just cheaper to send them all in one big box. And they also kind of are fans of Star Wars as well and appreciate what I'm doing and stuff for that and help me out. So basically, they also buy bits of little bits of silver and furniture and antiques, things. And like a lot of people, they're on um, mailing sites and go to yard sales and picks up what have you. So, one of the companies that they're on a mailing list for. Just sent them out in the kind of newsletter or a spread or whatever, saying they had some Star Wars items come up for sale. And they messaged me during the night last Thursday, two weeks, I think it was two weeks, two to three weeks ago, on, on a Thursday, they said, Look, hey, there's one of the people we buy bits and pieces off of, we on a mailing list from, have sent us uh, some images of Star Wars items, and are you interested? So I just checked it out and emailed the company, and they said that they just listed one. 12 back on ebay so i immediately grabbed it because of the label on the back which was kind of a blurry image really on ebay and it didn't really mean much so on further inspection and investigation then they said that they would have more if i was interested and i said yes definitely and they said they would send a link via dropbox to me to have a look at so that was kind of panic and this was on a friday And I had to figure out what Dropbox was because I'm not very tech savvy. And I got that on the phone and Monday couldn't come quick enough. So I immediately got a link on Monday, probably somewhere around 8 o'clock, 8 p.m., which would be kind of noon California time with the images and that they had taken in a consignment of um, items from a gentleman and his wife that were clearing out their house and going to a smaller property or something and... They wanted to sell these items and they sent me 24, 25 images and I immediately jumped in anything that was 12 back with the blue sticker on the back and the equivalent of the knockoffs as well that had the blue sticker on the back. They had post-its with just the prices up on them which were pretty reasonable and I was just happy to get them basically.
1: So describe the blue sticker then for those listeners of ours who haven't got a clue what you're talking about, because blue stickers are not common, but it's this is something that's completely different to anything we've seen before.
5: Yes, well blue sticker that's on the back of it are all kind of put down the bottom left hand corner and they would be about a quarter of the size of the card back. And they seem to be evidence tags from a court case involving twentieth century Fox versus Arco Industries limited and they show the evidence number and the court case number I think and a date stamp for September 1978 and a signature on it which I think is the court clerk's signature which probably would be the person who receives the item and is in charge of having all the ducks in a row for a court case. So these were on the back of the car backs and they would have been presented I suppose in the court case as let's say exhibit A or exhibit B or whatever.
1: Okay, got you. Okay, yeah. so I'm looking at one that has exhibit JJJ. So, do they have, I don't know, AAA on them? Is that.
5: I actually didn't look at them in total, in complete,
1: because
5: mm-hmm. I haven't got them in hand currently at the moment because we're still over in California. Yeah. And they're being held there until I have a few items, and with this everything that's going on at the moment, you'd be kind of half afraid to ship something because of delays
1: in packaging houses and things of that like, you know. Yep. So you mentioned Arco there. Now, up until yesterday, I hadn't got a clue who Arco were. So this company, Arco, has gone to court. They're the defendant in a case against 20th Century Fox. So what's been the problem then?
5: Well, sure, basically what it was from my research. Now, I have never heard of Arco either, like, because I'm over here in Ireland. So I was a simple, straight, Palatai Kenner kind of a guy who... That's all I knew of, or whatever. And, you know, so I never heard really of Arco either. So on researching it and finding some stuff that Joe Y had put up and some other people had put up, the Arco Industries was a Hong Kong-based toy group. And apparently when the toys were due for release from Star Wars, both 20th Century Fox and Lucas were kind of slow and dragging their heels and getting things off the ground and some other small toy companies kind of jumped on board and i don't think arco was the very first but there was definitely one of the first to make what would you call bootleg replicas not exact replicas kind of bootlegs of the star wars figures from the movie and basically based them on Playmobil, fisher price little figures and knockoffs basically and gave them a, a, a laser sword or whatever um, few bits of other armory and they were very very close in features and looks I suppose if you wanted to the characters like Luke Skywalker Vader C-3PO R2-D2 and Luke Skywalker as I said and other figures in the range of 12 backs or whatever and I suppose 20th Century Fox brought into court over the fact that they were knocking off the movie's toys basically and these apparently were items that were used in the
1: court case. Right. That, I mean, the fact that they exist is just absolutely amazing how they have been kept for so long. Do we know who won the court case?
5: Yes, because I found on a I found on a, um, a website there, and I think I attached a picture on the 12 backs as well, that in you know, there's kind of a date line of Kenner Star Wars history. I was just scrolling down through and it just said that, a Californian judge has found in favour of 20th Century Fox versus Arco Toys in a multi-million dollar lawsuit oh. on the date of October 1978. Mm-hmm. So they would tie in with a timeline of these being used as I think they're stamped 23rd or 28th of September. So I think the decision was on the 24th of October 1978 of the knockoffs. So that that was a timeline, and that was when they were probably used in the um, in the court case.
1: Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing that, are these just cheap items that you expect to find in a typical pound land today?
5: From, yeah, exactly. There was a, a guy I listened to on YouTube because I had a couple of days to do this research and what I was finding. So I was trying to find any kind of court case things on Google or was there anything. So that's, I'm only just basically telling you what I found out that there were basically, yeah, they were sold at Five and Dimes, I think, or what they call a pound shop nowadays or whatever. They were sold at them, like, probably for 17, 80 cents a piece, like, you know, just, and I think from one of Joe Wise' information pieces that they were kind of like Woolworths as well, maybe, and the equivalent of them, like, so that's just basically, that's all they were, cheap knockoffs that were sold in pound shops and stuff, yeah.
1: Well, you've got to assume then if they've lost a multi-billion pound court case, it must have put them out of business.
5: I don't think it is, because they had other tyre ranges as well. They had a different other tyre ranges as well. They were selling, like, cheap cap guns, laser guns. If you look they were still pretty active up until the eighties and I think they were bought over by um Mattel in eighty five or eighty six from what I could read online. Mm-hmm. So they had other little toy ranges and little space guns and other things that were available to sell like, you know. So it wasn't just to weren't Star Wars or Star Kids or whatever focus only like. So they had some other income.
1: What's your own personal opinion of these then I mean it's different now We're looking at them as an adult and understanding and appreciating them but have you got one of these as a kid I've never seen them <laughs> <laughs>
5: I've never seen them before and I don't think if I was a kid I would have bought them <laughs> at the time because I was like Jesus they're horrible looking Like, you know what I mean but every eye formed its own beauty you know um, I remember even looking at the Power of the Force line when they came out and Thinking that these were knockoffs because you had a hand that looked like a bodybuilder, you had everything that was totally out of scale, and it's only when you turned them around and actually saw that the figures were on the back that they actually looked as if they were, you know, kind of palette type produced. So these were totally, you know, I'd never seen anything like them to be honest. With you. It was just over here, anyway, I wouldn't have bought them as a
1: it looks as though that there's an R2-D2 Chewbacca Luke Skywalker Stormtrooper Darth Vader and C-3PO so it looks as though there's six in the set so did you manage to get all six and the 12 back
5: no I got four I Mm -hmm. got um, Chewbacca R2-D2 C-3PO and and the Stormtrooper and their ARCO equivalents brilliant available was a Darth Vader 12 back and his ARCO equivalent but they had no label on the back Mm Mm-hmm that they were tagged or whatever. So I didn't see any connection in buying them. And, you know, I just left them there, to be honest about this. Now, I did receive an email today because I've been looking for, what do they call it, providence or whatever on this. And the person said that we're dealing with an elderly couple and they're not very computer literate and they dropped us in the items and we have emailed them and we're hoping to get you some providence on us. But they are from source, you wanted to say to me today, in the agency that's selling them for me. Like, and it's obvious. Like, I mean, I didn't pay. They weren't advertised as, wow, look at these. These were X, Y, Z. They were advertised just as Star Wars ties and whatever. Mm-hmm. So they weren't looking for a huge money firm. And the truth be told, I paid kind of just a little under, probably a little under market value of the 12 bucks that they are. And some of you see have, you know, bent ears and ding on bubbles and things like that, which would be, you know, so I paid probably under market value even for what they are for them, like, you know, so.
1: Looking at the four that you have mentioned then, I think two of them are so close, I can get it. So the C-3PO in me reminds me of that Droid from Spaceballs, which I don't know the name of it. And the Stormtrooper, I get that one as well, but I think the Chewbacca and the auto I don't think them two would have really caused much of an issue in court.
5: I think that Chewbacca has kind of a gorilla-looking face.
1: Yeah, Planet of the Apes, possibly.
5: Yeah, more Planet of the Apes, but I suppose as he was re- as he was released as a star kid. Yeah,
1: it's a whatever they were called. Ball. You know, it's,
5: it's enough of a yeah, it's enough <laughs> of a kind of uh, a tie to it that um, it would stand up in court, I suppose. Like, and the Arjuto was more like the little Playmobil figure, I think, yeah. with the two arms and stuff yeah. of that as well. But look, you you know where it's coming from. <laughs> I think the Luke Skywalker as well in that range was a little Blondie figure as well with some yeah. sores and things.
1: It does, but yeah, it's the it's the lightsabers in the pockets that probably can't defend yeah. at
5: all.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those, These are absolutely fantastic items. These. How do these fit in with your collection? Then I mean, I'm I'm guessing you're not a bootleg collector as such. But uh, so, w- what's your plan to display these? What are you going to do?
5: That's a good question. Basically, the plan to display him is, I don't know, we've all gone through the collection of, I want this, I want Mm -hmm. that, I want everything, I'm going to have this, I'm going to have that, and then you get it all and you go, well, you know what, I have no emotional ties to X, Y, Z. I had a full collection of, full 12-back run, and I had, you know, Power to Force runs, and I had Tri-Logos and stuff, and I've gone back now to kind of like a mint, if I can at all, Return of the Jedi run, and the Tri-Logos that I like, and I got rid of twelve backs because I had no real emotional attachment, so I have these now. But I like to have quirky little things too in my collection, and I think these will fit in just perfectly because they're unique. You know, there's not there's loads of twelve backs out there, but there's none of them with the actual labels on them or such, so they are unique. But if I ever do decide to sell them, there's probably about ten guys that gone and touch me to, to sell them, but I would rather sell them sometime if needs be to a focused collector for something like this and. There's not many people that would be focused collectors for something like this, like, so you know who you are, really, if I do decide to let it sell, but I have no intention of anything at the moment because I like to have something kind of unusual or quirky or different in in there if I can, you know?
1: Well, it's great that you've shared those pictures. Has anybody from the Star Collectors Archive been in touch to see if they can get some high-quality scans or anything? Because that would be great to have those on the archive for everybody to see in future.
5: No, but any help I can be advised there's no problem. Mm-hmm. The pictures I put up were quickly sent by, because I just, you know, get a message in the morning or whatever if I wake up. Hey, John, stuff arrives here. Here's a quick picture of it. Everything looks okay. Or there's a, you know, checked bubbles or packaging was good or whatever. So I've only got quick pictures of them items. Mm-hmm. Currently, that's what I put up. So down the line, if anybody wants pictures or whatever, I definitely can. And I'm hoping to get that letter as well, you know, of, uh, providence or whatever you call it to just to back it up but i just i'm not out to sell them to try and make a fortune on them so to me with the labels on them they're 100 percent unique like you know because why would somebody replicate something like that or try to forge off something without wanting to charge a big money for them or anything you know and i have no intention to sell them and if i did they would go to a focus collector for what i paid for them and, yeah. you know
1: awesome stuff just out of interest did you get anybody contacting you asking if it was an able fool about two or three people, yeah. <laughs>
5: you know, I tell you, I don't think anybody at the moment knows whether it's the second of April or the fifteenth of July or uh, it could be it could be Christmas week for all people yeah. who know at the moment because it's like a groundhog day. We get up, we go to the fridge, we'll eat something, we'll go back to do whatever we're doing. You know, everybody's in that situation at the moment. I never even thought of it like the April Fool's Day. Like you know, and people, four or five people actually did message me and say, you know is this a piss or whatever? I was like, no, no, these are actually genuine. I I forgot what day it was.
1: (laughs) You know? So... Well, that's a, br- it's a brilliant story, John. Thanks for sharing. I mean, w- w- I know that the guys from the Clive Cast, I know they're going to have Joe Y on and uh, John Alvarez, who are two of the huge bootleg collectors, and they're going to yes. discuss our core um, in quite a lot of detail. But, but many thanks for showing it to the rest of it, and uh, I'm really pleased that you've come on our show. I know we're going to get a lot of feedback from our listeners. Are you happy us sharing the images that you've put on Facebook? On yeah, our no protein? problem. I have no
5: problem sharing them away. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, just basically if you're looking for any more or whatever I can do if you there's no problem at any time like yeah. I'm not a professional photographer but I can I can do what I can and share away and look the more people that know about these things and have interest in us. they might find something else down the line that could help them like you know i pass them off if I saw these things in a, a yard sale or in a car boot sale i pass them off I wouldn't even dream of it like now mm-hmm. I'm, I know what they are about or whatever so it's a great help but any help in the collecting community and, people are made wiser it's all the better you
1: know yeah but well, many thanks for coming on our show john and uh, take care and all the best thank you richard so there you go guys wow that's absolutely brilliant chad john for that the website that we talked about there is joe wise website out realm msw.com and if you click that you will see that there are lots and lots and lots of bootleg links at the top of it. Now, I'm sure Joe Y and John Alvarez will probably record a Kivecast episode at some point very soon discussing Argo Space War. But I'm just going to want to briefly cover the introduction that Joe has written at the top of the page there. And uh, guys, I'm just going to ask you some questions about some of the items as we scroll down. So, Joe's put on there, Arco Toys out of Westbury, New York were there and on the shelf in early 1978, producing the Space War line of knockoff Star Wars toys, taking advantage of Kenna's slow response to the overwhelming demand for Star Wars toys. I think one or two collectors may take some umbrage to Kenna's slow response because they've argued for a long time that Kenna actually weren't really that slow and could only do their best. The Arco Space War line was an offshoot of the Playcade line which was very similar to Playmobile, Agram Boys and Fisher Price Adventure People lines. The Space War line was available in many retail outlets for America, especially Five and Dime Stores, the seventies equivalent of dollar stores, as well as Woolworths and Kmart. The six Space War figures retailed for just under a dollar each. The human character, most commonly considered to be Luke, in the Space War line is the only one available on both a Placid header card as well as a Space War card and both are extremely rare. The other major variation on this line's packaging was that at at the time retail giant Woolwath had Arco send them their version of the Space War line with a slightly altered card. Gone was the die cut detailing and the addition of the Woolwath logo at the bottom of the card to distinguish the product for their stores. The Woolworth versions are ultra-ray, and in fact some figures have yet to public surface on a Woolworth card, although they were produced. So far, no examples of certain figures are known to have survived. And then, Joe has taken lots and lots of photographs of different playkids and the variations showing the Woolworths and the not Woolworths, pre-production items, uh, multi-packs, sets that went with them, so firstly, generally, I want to come to you, Pete, first, because I think some of these scream, Pete, at me. Okay? Just generally, what's your thoughts on the Arco Space War range?
2: Uh, slightly mad, Rich, but I can see, yeah, there's definitely Star Wars influences there. I like the they just gone for a, just a straight monkey for the Chewbacca kind of version. So that, I just put a monkey in there. It's the planet of the apes, so, isn't it? <laughs> well, a little bit, but there's, there's, you can just, you can just see where these things have been Influenced by, you know, you got an, uh, uh, an Art Adito kind of thing. You've got a, well, what's that, a Stormtrooper looking thing? Yeah, I guess a Stormtrooper looking thing. Uh, the hero, he, he looks a little bit plain for me. That's a little bit boring. But Darth Vader, oh, crikey, I would have had him in any kind of play. It'd have, have, have done all really nasty. He's got, ooh, what's he got? He's got a mechanical arm, an extra one, a space gun, a space sword, obviously, and he's got some kind of shield. I mean, he wasn't having the force, was he? He was just going to bat people away with his shield. They
1: are go back to the stormtrooper then. Tell us about the storm. What the stormtrooper comes with?
2: Uh, oh, he's got a TV walkie-talkie, a TV camera, a TV camera, <laughs> a mechanical <laughs> camera space gun. So if he doesn't like the t- first take, he's going to shoot you or <laughs> smash you in the face with his mechanical arm.
1: Yeah, so it is odd art do. have a TV camera as well, mind. So at <laughs> least he does record, I suppose.
2: Where's that? What's that all about? Is that even explained anywhere?
1: (laughs) I need to to know why he's got a TV camera. Mm. Andy Spoonson, so, I mean, I don't know how much you know about this line, but can we just, I mean, obviously, uh, John talked about these characters in in a bit of detail, but can you just scroll down a little bit and have a look at some of the the multipacks that's underneath? I mean, just, it's amazing to think that these multipacks even if it existed, um, considering you know these are so cheap, and I think there's one of the sets has like four Luke figures <laughs> included in it. I mean, it's just bonkers.
3: Well, I'm looking at, it, I've never never heard of these, never seen these before. Now, and I must say, if it wasn't called Space War, the the Star Wars resemblance, apart from the space swords, is pretty tenuous. And I can I wonder why Kenner went after them so so much. When you when you think of the kind of R two D two character that Playmobil did, you know that's just as that's probably more like R two D two than the than the Playkid one. That, I mean, he's got has got proper sort of human arms and a lightsaber and a TV camera. That is not R two D two. The only um, I'd say the only pack. That you would kind of just look at straight away and think, right, I can see the influence. Is the is the unproduced mock-up that Joe's put there, where there's clearly a, actually the picture on the top looks like C-3PO, a stormtrooper, and a monkey. And until was it you or Pete just a moment ago saying that's Chewbacca, that hadn't actually even crossed my mind. I just thought, why is, it, why is a monkey hanging out with a with a stormtrooper? The the space sets with all the Luke Skywalkers just look like you know it's called space set it's got two blonde haired characters in spacesuits. suits the, the, it's pretty tenuous really that that star wars link boo kenna well wow, how mean you know these are great these are great toys you you boo and kenna but it wasn't kenna
1: it was fox oh okay. boo fox yeah. but if you look like boo but go go back to the c3po can you, you can't tell me that ac c3po is not to dot matrix out of space balls
3: Yes, is it with the hairstyle as well? (laughs) Yeah, but then, but it's more, it's more the picture on the card looks like Star Wars, while the while the toy is even a different colour, isn't it? you kind of a nice gold figure at the top of the card. It's It's the font
1: um, as well they've used. I mean, Space Wars clearly in a kind of Star Wars kind of font. You know, you've got and the fact it comes with a space sword. I mean, where else did you see space swords, laser swords, and things yet? I I I. That's what I said to John. You know, they might have got away with the R two D two. They may have got away with Luke even. The C three P O and the Darth Vader. must have absolutely nailed it for them.
3: But even then, are you aware of Ideal Toys' twelve mm-hmm. inch range, Night of Darkness? I can't remember what the C three P O was called. But they weren't. They weren't sued by anyone, were they? That's uh, just just got away with it. I don't know. Don't know. Maybe they were just fed up of. You know, enough people did this, and it was just unfortunate for Arco that they were the the ones that, you know, kind of enough's enough. Let's sue this lot and get them to stop, and maybe the, the, we'll see the end of these bootlegs. Little did they know, I
1: suppose. <laughs> now, possibly because they were one of the first ones as well, obviously. I mean, if they were out in 78, very, very early in 78, they must have been one of the, you know, the first... To rush these toys out. um,
3: Ideal were about 78 as well. Whether whether that yeah, because they they were trying to yeah, they're trying to cash in before anybody else was doing the toys. Mm -hmm. It's kind of we haven't got the license, but we'll we'll bung these out. I'm fairly fairly sure of that. Anyway,
2: they seem to go very NASA as it gets. as the line matures. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They've got a NASA command base on the moon, and they've gone. Yeah, well, we've kind of gone gone a bit. Well, we've kind of messed that up. Let's just turn it to NASA and get away with it. I wonder if NASA to say
1: about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Annie Preston so right at the bottom there's a range of, you know, guns with um, sticky dots at the end of it. Do any of those kind of look a little bit suspicious? They're a little bit too much likeness in them?
4: Yeah, not really. I mean, there's there's some of the guns um, that are carded. There's something that looks a little bit like TIE Fighters, maybe, in the background. But uh, no, it's more generic sort of spaceships and more UFOs and things. There's nothing in there that really screams... Star Wars. I mean, again, at the very bottom of the web page there, you've got a sparking space pistol. I remember having something like that as a kid. There was a, a little chamber inside and must have had a flint and steel. So when you pull the trigger, they rub against each other and create sparks in the barrel. If you squint and look at it sideways, it might just resemble a Stormtrooper blaster, maybe. But uh, no, more sort of general space toys, the sort of thing you could pick up, I guess, in any toy shop anywhere in the
1: 70s and 80s. Anyway, cheers, John, and cheers as well to Joe Y for putting all this information out there. And certainly check out the podcast when they release that.
4: The moon with the Rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes.
1: CIB and CAS get top grading, Richard. Are they? Do they deserve it? 9.5s all the right way around? No, they've got to get tens for this, absolute tens. So we'll start off with CIB. So it was a post from Yehuda K on April the 1st. And he made a post. I would like to acknowledge and publicly thank our dear friend Tom Darby. During this crisis, Tom has converted a non-essential toy grading company into a very essential personal protective equipment factory. He donated his time, money and ingenuity to manufacture acrylic intubation shields in order to help protect our healthcare workers. And for those who aren't aware, um, Yehuda is a doctor and works in a hospital. These shields were recently designed by a doctor in Taiwan during the pandemic. Tom donated five of his shields to New York Hospital of Queens. Tom contacted me to find out how many shields the hospital could use. He had them manufactured at the spec and sent out immediately. I mean, that's absolutely brilliant. CIB um, is obviously Tom's company. Great Tom. It's absolutely fantastic doing that. And then CAS came out you know very very quickly after that so Ross Bars the current face of CES and Todd DiMartino and, and various other collectors so the first because they've done an update so the first text that they send out was hello from your Forensic Collector Archive Services we hope you and your loved ones are safe during this unprecedented and challenging time. CES wants to do our part and help out the frontline healthcare workers who are risking their lives every day for us. And we are proud to announce that we've just delivered our first, what we expect will be many shipments of acrylic shields to a hospital in need. This time, Morristown Medical Centre in Morristown, New Jersey. And pictured above is one of our very own cast team members, Dr Anthony Spinicky, who we've had on our show before. Uh, with Carol Jones, Chief Nursing Officer of MMC. Anthony has been working closely with the MMC hospital staff and administration to coordinate and expedite the delivery and perfect the design of what will hopefully be a vital and protective device at no cost to the hospital. Um, so obviously they've um, gone on to discuss about how the plastics um, have been formed, discussing it and they made it very clear that uh, there will be no costs passed on so if you know of any institutions that could benefit from one of these please let us know and we will do what we can to help serve their needs we are facing a tough few weeks and months ahead and know that we will only get through this by helping each other out how and when we can we are looking forward to your continued support in these efforts in the coming days and weeks so please keep a lookout on future communications showing how you can help then the recent update Um, which I would urge everyone to check out. We have created a GoFundMe link to allow our customers and friends who have asked how they can help those healthcare workers on the front lines battling COVID-19. Here is a link where you can contribute which will allow us to make many more of these very necessary protective shields. So the link is gofundme.com forward slash F forward slash COVID-19 hyphen intubation hyphen boxes hyphen four Hyphen, healthcare, hyphen, workers. So we can't ignore that. Well done, CIB, well done Cass. Absolutely stellar work and let's get these shields out to as many people as possible.
5: Rebel Base, one minute
2: and closing. Jim Stevenson sadly passed away. I know we've we've talked about Jim quite a lot in past episodes. But yeah, it's uh, it was announced on the early hours of March twenty fourth, which is very very sad news. I know he'd been ill for quite some while, hadn't he?
1: Yes, he's been ill for a number of years, and, and we've been told from one or two different people that he had actually already passed away. But when somebody like Darren Simpson, um, Star Wars 1 Toys, posted, then Darren was very close to Jim. And uh, Darren Simpson has posted, Sad here, Jim missed the Star Wars to many. Stevenson has passed away this morning. I have a lot to thank him for and some happy memories. And then lots and lots of people um, have left comments on there. So I'm just going to read some of them out. To give an overview of the kind of guy that Jim was, but obviously, many people will have their own special memories of him. So, a lot of people, you know, a lot of collectors that we all know Todd Hudson, and uh, he was my first UVO contact about many cool items more over the years. Lee Pizzi, obviously, had said I enjoyed going to chats and cons over the phone, especially in the 90s. Mentioning the model in Collectors Mart uh, magazine, truly lovely guy, rest in peace. Uh, Mark Daniels. Um, one of the old school guys, I remember when he first started doing the toy shows as Mr. Star Wars back in the early 90s. He even used to have a table next to him at Buxton. He had one of the nicest looking tables at any show. His stuff was museum quality. He really knew how to put out a display. Um, Shane Turgeon, sad news indeed. Steve, Steve sweet, very sorry to hear this. Jim was a great long distance friend. We did a lot of business together in the 90s. I'd missed our long telephone chats. He was one of a kind. Todd Chamberlain, very sorry to hear this, I know his health has not been great for some time but this really closes the door on the early era of Star Wars collecting in the UK. Jim and I had some great phone chats years ago. Lee Bullock, I knew Jim since I was 14 years old, just started out collecting. I remember the first show I went to in Stoke, he was standing. I must have irritated the crap out of him asking questions and I bet you did Lee. Over the years I got to know him and of course I bought some key pieces. Absolute hobby legend, definitely one of the old guard. Craig Spivey, he stalls to find those early toy shows. I was always in awe of what he had on his display, and it wasn't just Star Wars, he was a true pioneer of the hobby. Gary Smith, very sad to hear him, was one of the first dealers I met and chatted with. I still have a number of pieces that came from his own collection. Used to love chatting with him at memorabilia. Andy Rylos, Andy Golden, legend, Always enjoyed the nat-, nat Cheshunt or Stevenage in those early days through the 80s and 90s. Jim was my source for the US items we never had over here. My skiff, shuttle, US card of play sets all came from him along with numerous other bits that are still with me today. Every show he'd put out a sealed or undisturbed example of something and he could always talk it yeah off. They don't make them like him anymore. And then obviously it got a little bit lighthearted and fun to so Darren McAleese. I remember his ridiculous stole at memorabilia in the early 90s. Always overpriced. Always incredible. He had fet out the wazoo. I could never work out how he acquired such quality and his dour personality to match. Jim didn't suffer fools gladly. A lot of people talked about his cantankerous old school kind of attitude. If you didn't want to pay the price, walk on because you would not get a discount. A couple of people then mentioned things like signs that he had on his stall saying do not touch. Graham Hughes has posted some great photos. From memorabilia, um, November 2018, as a great shot there from Graham Hughes. Such sad news, Darren, I always remember driving halfway across the country to memorabilia in Birmingham and visiting his stall. Jim always had such an amazing setup at these shows. He took great pride in presenting mind-blowing pieces, which teased and inspired many collector. As Craig has just said above, not to Star Wars, his passion and knowledge was far-reaching. I might say, far, far-reaching. Uh, lots of people are posting some really nice messages there. It's such a shame because obviously we heard this a while that as his health started to decline some collectors have taken advantage of Jim. It's really disappointing to read all that. So it's only fair that he did get a, a truly fitting send off from those people who knew him best. Uh, sadly I didn't actually meet Jim but... I do understand his place in the hobby, I understand what he's done for the hobby, I've seen pictures of his items, I've read the articles, I've seen some information such as the collector's gazette that Craig Spivey had posted where he was featured in there Um, and he sounded like a true pioneer in the early years of collecting. Come over to you Andy Preston, so you've actually met uh, uh, multiple times, have you got any memories that you would like to share
4: yeah cheers rich yeah i met jim lots of times at uh, various toy fairs around the country lovely chap i mean uh, you used a good word cantankerous he certainly could be um he uh, didn't suffer fools gladly and he was not one for bargaining and um, you, uh, you 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 could banter with jim but he would not uh accept an offer lovely chap really really knew his stuff he was a collector as well as a dealer and boy what he didn't know about star wars collecting he really was mr star wars in those early days. What uh, as I say, what Jim didn't know wasn't worth knowing. Always an experience looking at his stall at the toy fairs. As uh, others have said on Facebook, it wasn't a stall. It was more like a a museum piece. Vintage Star Wars, all sorts of vintage toys going back through the 50s, 60s, 70s. He had some lovely, lovely bits and pieces. Uh, i bought a few bits and pieces from him over the years. Equally, if I wasn't buying, it was great just to go and have a chat with Jim um, and uh, um, see what he'd been buying lately wasn't just toys he had some nice props in his collection as well so uh, yeah a real character and uh, he will be very sadly missed one other thing i wanted to say uh, one of the comments i know you've been through a lot rich but uh, there's a guy called jules burt who posted i think it was on the pelotoy group and i've uh, just just printed out what he had to say so jules said a sad day indeed so many memories of jim and his amazing collection and stall." When asked how he got into collecting and dealing in Star Wars, he said in about 85, 86, he would check the local Nottingham papers each day and he and Andy, that's his son, would be buying up everything they could get their hands on. He got loads from ex-Palatoy employees and this continued for years. He always had virtually all Return of the Jedi mocks in stock as he had cases and cases of them. My favourite memories are when he bought a case of four Palatoy Death Stars for £2,000. They were all sealed, so he opened one just to see exactly what was inside. Another time, not Star Wars related, but he went to someone's house, and floor to ceiling, there were Corgi and Dinky cars, all mint in box, worth an absolute fortune, literally thousands of die casts. The owner was super reluctant to part with them, so Jim sat down with the owner and his wife, opened up a little case and offered them £30,000 on the spot cash. They took the deal, but it was Jim who was smiling. So many memories, R.I.P. Jim. R.I.P. indeed, Mr. Stevenson, Mr. Star Wars.
1: Spoons, I mean, you've been going to collect as events for a lot of years. Did you have the opportunity to meet with Jim at any point?
4: Yeah,
3: yeah. I, w- I wouldn't say I knew him well, but I used to go to memorabilia, in the mid 2000s a lot and remember his stall actually hearing some of the recollections of others just brought memories flooding back the do not touch signs i'd forgotten about those i remember him as a cantankerous man and one not willing to do a deal you know it's absolutely fine. <laughs> i can be cantankerous myself uh, i don't think i ever bought any star wars off him i certainly inquired after a few pieces and attempted to haggle uh, with no success, but I did buy a Batman and Robin mega mega figures off him on, on one visit. So I do do have those in my collection as a tribute to Mr. Star Wars. But yeah, he's not not someone I knew well. I wasn't. I didn't see him at shows in the uh, in the 90s. I think uh, my collecting was uh, slightly on a, on a lower scale back in those days. So were certainly the kind of things that someone like that would have was was beyond
1: my means. And Pete will uh, let you have the closing words this segment at the end of Rebel Briefing's.
2: Yeah, um, it's probably worth checking out the interview I did with Chris from Metropolis Toys, who did know him very, very, very well. Our social media guru and genius, it seems, on YouTube has put that interview on our YouTube channel recently. So it's probably worth having a listen to that because he had a very good relationship with him. So, uh, But yeah, I didn't know him at all. I'd never met him. Um, I have to admit, I hadn't heard of him either until Chris was talking about him, really. But uh, yeah, seems like a legend. So check that interview out.
1: I'm delighted to welcome Mark Catley all the way from New Zealand on this month's episode. Hello, Mark. How are you doing?
0: Hi there, Rich. I'm great.
1: Thank you for having me. Now, before we go into our topic, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, first of all. What's your vintage interests and anything that you think that our listeners should be aware of?
0: Sure. So I am here at Christchurch, New Zealand currently in lockdown like most of the world with COVID-19, which isn't much fun. A little bit about myself, I, well, I'm 41 years old, so the first film I ever went to was Return of the Jedi, first figure I ever had for my father was Bosk, and growing up, myself and my sister, we didn't have a many figures, maybe about 20 figures, and I had the speeder bike and a few of the mini rigs which the mini rigs always annoyed me as a kid because, you know, they weren't in the films, so why did they make them? But now, 40 years later, I actually appreciate the mini rigs, and I think they're amazing, and I've got quite a good collection of them. I think they're, they're really smart, what they did with those. Mm-hmm. But true, it would have been nicer to have some of the big toys. Mm-hmm. But now, um, I don't know, they don't interest me so much. But I do love the Palletoy toll toys. Death Star, I still think that's amazing. I wish I had that as a kid as well
1: also do a bit of street art as well with
0: the star wars figures
1: yeah that, that didn't listen because even when i was a kid i never once considered the fact that the mini rigs were not in the movies it just didn't even enter my brain at all and I, I don't know why that is
0: yeah it just always annoyed me um i had a few of the funny ones like the um the imperial sniper thing with the hook arm and oh wow uh, yeah the, uh, the funny one with Luke flying through the indoor forest and mm-hmm. It's still sort of funny, but I mean, I used to play with them and love them because it's mm-hmm. um, all I did. And I never had a biker scout, so I always had to use a stormtrooper on the speeder bike. That always annoyed me, but it's, you know, it's it's what you do as a kid. Yeah,
1: so from your age and from what you're describing there, so when you were a kid, it was the back end of the line. Was oh, it was yes, it Power of yeah. the Force in New Zealand, or did you see Trilogo there as well?
0: It was Power of the Force. Um, I don't recall any Trilogos, or well, the first I even knew about logos was about six years ago when I started collecting again, mm-hmm. so definitely just Power of the Force. I mean, I never had an Anakin, you know, you always hear the stories in yeah. Australia, there's you know, been loads, I'd, I'd never heard of a Yak
1: Face or the Man of Man or half of those things. Yeah, so with regards to Anakin and things like that, do you think that those were available as mail as easy enough in New Zealand, because... You do see them a lot, but surely they can't all be power the force Anakin's.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I um, I don't know. I don't. I didn't know anything about the mailers. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if we had them here in New Zealand. I mean, I've never seen any card backs with send it off to a New Zealand address. Right. So I know that none of those
1: exist. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, I would like to, if anybody knows the answer to that one, I'd love somebody to contact us. Yeah, because yeah, it would be interesting to see where you would send them off to and. What were the differences in the, in the deals that they had over New Zealand? Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, it's a good point. So what were the stores like back in New Zealand? Um, because obviously we have all these and we see the photographs of what it's like in America. And then when you see photos in the UK, you see awesome things in London, possibly one or two other bigger cities. But certainly where I lived, it, it was just the odd display in a Tesco's or a, or a ASDA or something like that. So what was it like for you as a child going to the stores in New Zealand and, and, and seeing Star Wars toys?
0: I don't remember. I mean, growing up, I don't actually remember seeing any. Maybe just the odd, you know, peg sort of, you know, bin thing that you spin around. That's mm-hmm. about all. I mean, I just really remember peg warmers and things like that. And my, um, generally it was my dad or mum would, you know, you'd, you'd beg them to buy you one and they'd buy you one. And I do have one regret. You know, when you've traded figures as a kid, for some reason, I traded an Admiral bar and I swapped it with another kid for a week way. Mm-hmm. And I, I hate and like I still, to this day, can't stand that figure. I can appreciate the the sculpting's beautiful, actually, the hair, but I still, it just really bugs me that I traded that for Aqbal, and I don't know why I did that as a kid, but it's what you did.
1: The only, the only one I remember is I traded an IG 88 for a die cast. I think it was a Falcon, but it might have been a snow speeder. And then my mum spotted it and made us go back and, and swap the back again. Oh,
0: <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't recall any of the. Um, any play sets or die-cast ships? Um, I've actually never seen a Star Wars die-cast ship in the flesh, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak. Um, I don't really, I don't know, they just don't do anything for me. The scale always annoys me seeing, they look great, but then you see there's a little Star Destroyer and it's the wrong scale. Yeah. And it's like, I don't
1: know. If you get a tall toys death store, they look great in the little hangouts. Yeah. that uh, that's, oh, that's really? what I've done with mine, yeah. uh, they look absolutely fantastic. I mean, obviously, when you're putting Slave One and the Land Speeder on there, they look a bit naff. But the Star toy I have in Vader's Tie Fight and things like that, they look brilliant on, on the death stores Oh, that's down. So you, you you said you got back into it about six years ago, then. So everybody had a different journey to get to that point, then. So what what was your journey to come back into collecting, and and what was your interest, and how did you go about it?
0: You know, I had all the toys, everyone had your G.I. Joes, your Transformers, and your, I had Sky Commanders and all these other toys. Every childhood toy I would always sell on, as you, you do, like some guy, teenager would come along and you sell everything you own for $10 or $20, When you, even though your parents paid for it all, thinking you got a bargain and the kid runs off laughing. But I'd always kept my Star Wars toys, and I even kept them in a cool – My mum would always do sewing, as everyone did in the 80s, and she made a wee tote bag for me. And on the cover of the bag, I've drawn with those special fabric pens, Jedi and big writing, and I've drawn all these Star Wars pictures doing laser beams to everyone, and I've still got that, which is really cool. It's it's quite fun to see stuff like that. And then um, that was just – they were hidden away at mum's, mum and dad's. And then my father passed away after the earthquakes, 2011, and then a few years later, I was traveling around to South Island with my partner, Hannah, and we went into some little tiny village and they had a, and we like antique store. So antique store at the front and at the back of the antique store was like all these toys. And I was like, oh, this is amazing, you know, toys. And I remember seeing all the Star Wars figures all lined up and all reasonably priced I saw a Bosk there, and I was like, oh, Bosk, that was the first figure I had as a kid. So I bought a Bosk and maybe some other figures, I forget what they were. But I do also remember thinking it was cool that he had the box packaging for the cloud car. I didn't buy it or anything, but it just really impressed me that he had that. I'd never seen that before, the packaging for old Star Wars toys. I've always loved the artwork of the card backs and the toys, and any, I like design and things like that, so it really fascinated me. And then when I got back to Christchurch, I um, started making the street art using my old figures, which I got for my mum. So that was what I would do, is I'd take a photo of the my old figures, pop them in Photoshop and Illustrator, manipulate them a bit, and then I'd make them life-size so that when I'm printing the toys out, they're actually you know, six feet tall, or Chewbacca is a lot taller. And then print them out then I'd go and actually paste them up around the city after earthquakes
1: ah right okay so that's just answered um, a couple of questions I've had there then oh, so <laughs> we'll jump, jump on your street art now then so uh, mm. I mean you've you've sent us some fantastic shots so one of the questions that i had there well actually because our listeners can't see this yet but hopefully yeah. if we get the youtube version up and running for this episode like you did the last one they might be able to see this right now so i'm looking at a shot here on some boards which i'm assuming is some kind of um office block that's being built or, or some kind of repair work going on yeah and yeah. you've put i think there are nine characters there um akbar Guido, Wallace, man nine Num, bosk chewbacca IG-88, boba fett and hammerhead on on the side there and I was just really intrigued as to how did that happen and what was your feedback on it? Yeah,
0: well, how it happened was um, with the earthquakes in Christchurch, for, so they were September 2010 and then February 2011. And these are major, major earthquakes. Um, so 182 people died, which was um, obviously – this was like one of the worst disasters in New Zealand's history. Yeah. It was all over the world. You would have heard about it, but, like, most events, they get superseded by another event. And uh, most of this inner city are buildings where they're demolished straight away or like they are still now, 10 years later, believe it or not, still standing there, but they're just empty. Mm-hmm. And so for a while there, after all the glass was damaged, they would put all these plywood boards up. And I was working in town at the time, and I was just walking around, and, and street art had become quite a popular thing. And I'm actually the last person to do street art. I'm not really like one of those cool guys that like banks or anyone that goes along mm-hmm. and does that. I'm just I'm just a regular guy. But I just thought, hey, you know it would be cool? It would be really cool to see something that I want to see like a I don't know, life-size Star Wars figure. And so, I, yeah, I thought how crazy would that be? And then I started doing it with stormtroopers to start with, and I pasted quite a few of them around town. And um, it caught on and people really enjoyed them. And um, I thought that's cool because Star Wars is iconic. Kids are going to love it. Adults are going to like it because they grew up with Star Wars. It's it's a win-win. And I just kept doing it for a while there. And then so that nine one was all the figures. That was actually in the Cathedral Square, which is like the main square of the city. And, yeah, people would get their photos taken next to it. And it was received really well.
1: Yeah, that, that that's great. I mean, obviously, it's going to brighten up a lot of people's days seeing things like that. I'm I'm intrigued as well that you've actually put the figures in as they are, so you've got, like, yellow limbs on some figures, and you've got Vader with yeah. the cape and a broken tip. So have you taken literally your actual figures, and, and how have you converted these into these images?
0: So the Vader was mine. I think the Bosch, Leia Bosch, but then the Luke Skywalker. I didn't have that Luke at the time, so that's actually a friend of mine in Wellington, I took photos of his figure, and I really like the idea of actually using played with old figures as opposed to just Googling them off the internet and getting, you know, nice minty figures. It just gives them, I really wanted them to actually look like action figures as opposed to scenes some Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And then I've put, used them, and I just sort of vectorized them in Illustrator, and that just sort of adds funny blotches and shapes. So when you walk, look up close to them, that she, I don't know, sort of strange looking, but it's not until you stand back a bit. You actually recognise what the shapes figures are.
1: Mhm. Um I think the Empire's Wild Guard is probably my favourite out of all of them. I think they yeah. fantastic and I like the way that you're taking the pike and it goes beyond the board and onto the uh the storefront windows there.
0: Yeah, that was um planned of course <laughs> that wasn't planned it's, it's, it's just you start doing it then you're really saying oh geez, it's uh, quite a bit longer and uh, it's a funny story about that one that's my favourite one as well the Emperor's Royal Guard but stupidly so I would do these put these up during the daytime um, I'd be on my lunch break so I'd be wearing like a business suit so I'd just walk down Then they're not illegal but they're not legal. I don't have them mm. necessarily ask permission. But they're generally I always I don't like to put them on anyone's property, so I just would just put them up and if they go, they go, but generally they never did. But that one there actually did disappear later that night. Um so I went mm. back the next day to take other photos, but um it was okay. But then maybe a year later I put another Empress royal card up. So it's mm. always been one of my favorites.
1: So do you do you think it was actually taken and treasured somewhere or do you think it was just ripped off and destroyed?
0: It's a very good question. Um, I've no idea. <laughs> well, it'd be nice if they took it off and put it somewhere. It'd
1: be yeah. lovely. <laughs> could be, it could be an Emperor's World God Focus Collector in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It could be. <laughs> and uh, I also like the, the way that you have done the Wampa and the Rango Monster as well. Um, that one yeah. seems to be on a different kind of premises, a uh, much more modern place, it looks like, on the, on the images.
0: Yeah. So that um, premises now is a fancy hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in the same spot, but of course everything's locked down. But that was great, that one, because each one, I mean, the Rancor, because I make them up like jigsaw puzzles out of A3 sheets of paper, ah, and the Rancor,
1: right. okay.
0: Rancor is like 46 individual bits. So it's quite a long time, because like you print them out, then I sit there cutting them out, and that takes forever. And then to actually put them all up, it, it'll take me quite a while. But I've got it down pretty well now, but it's – um. Yeah, that was quite a fun one. But the rancor of the Wampa disappeared after maybe a month. Not sure what happened to that one. But then the rancor stayed there for a while. But some of my friends actually got good photos of going to do a high five to the Wampa.
1: <laughs> and a- what's what's the little. I don't know if they're like little information boards or something that you've got next to most of the images.
0: Oh, yeah, the ones in on the, the big wall. I just sort of put we character blurbs about them like a, like almost like to make it like an art museum piece mm-hmm. just to get a bit of information for the for the people
1: looking at them yeah that, that that's a great idea that um, when I was at uh, Ron Salvatore's house last year he has these little cards dotted about telling you know the likes of mm. himself and others who have got you know next to no clue whatsoever what each of the pieces are and where they fit in the abduction process so I think that's a that's a great idea uh, I really look I really mm. like that that was fun. Yeah, and have you done any more recently, or is that kind of?
0: Uh, well, I, I sort of did. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to get back into it. I've actually got um a whole lot ready to go. I just with the lockdown, I just you know mm-hmm. just staying put. But um, what did I do recently? I put up a. I've gone blank. It's R2D2. Mhm. Oh, I've actually got. that that, I've gone blank. What I've put up recently, mm-hmm. but um. I've actually um, passed them on to a gentleman down in Dunedin. I've no idea who it is, mm-hmm. but he's putting some up down there. There's a 30 and an R2D2. Yeah. And what else has he done? Oh, a Bosque and a Greedo. But I've made some new photos, so sort of more almost like portraits of them. Mm-hmm. And I've got them ready to go here in Christchurch after the lockdown. So the Bosk is, and the Greedo one, they're, they're going to look amazing, actually. Yeah. i have got the right – in my head where they're going to be so they actually will be larger sizes but it's just going to be from the um probably the stomach up and they're on an angle so
1: it's just great yeah can't wait yeah <laughs> sounds absolutely brilliant okay then so moving back on to your collection then you mentioned Bosque a few times and i've got a feeling that you've got a, a special affinity for box and would you say that Bosque is your focus collection at all Easily with my focus, yes. It's just yeah. So
0: I bought that one art in that store, and then I thought, after my father died, I thought it'd be something, something nice to do would be. I thought, oh wait, I should get another Bosque, and um, it just sort of slowly went on, and um, you know, Hannah's like, oh, didn't you already have some Star Wars figures? And I do that whole, oh no, I'm just going to get a few more, Mm -hmm. and you know, it starts ball rolling, and you're getting the loose figures, and then you're trying to get the set, and then you get the set, and then I thought, oh, I should get to a focus collections. And um, I really like the idea of a focus collection. I don't, um, I've always been a collector. And so I just thought I should go for Bosk, you know, it's what so bring me a bit closer to Dad because it's the figure he first bought me. And um, I've always just loved his smile. And I like the fact that he doesn't look anything like what he does really in the movie. And that's why I know a lot of people always say, oh, but he looks so much better on the, the new sculpts of Bosk. But I'm like, to me, Bosk is the figure from the, the original
1: line. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's not a cheap one yeah. you've picked either, boss. I think there's, there's yeah. quite a few pieces that are pretty tough. Oh yeah. You know, I'm thinking yeah. of like the, the, you know the toxic limbs one, which from memory are those Spanish.
0: They are indeed. They are indeed. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. A bit of a nightmare to track one of those down, and I think the last one I saw for sale was I know it was graded, but I think it was close to a thousand pounds. I thought, wow,
0: unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, they've gone. I've seen them for like two, three thousand. Wow. They're a lot of money, but I know. Um, of course, we've I've got a wee Bosk. We've got a Bosk Bounty Hunters page on Facebook, and there are a few of us on there. And one guy, I think recently he has got, he bought one, but he didn't pay that much. I know, but um, they do. They mean they pay. They cost more than I'm willing to pay at the moment. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> but there's there's some fantastic Bosk items, you know, especially with them being available in the mail. I've I've seen them on adverts and things like that. And Bosk Bosk hmm. seems to have been a popular character. So do you, do you go down the 2D route as well with Bosk?
0: I, I do, yeah. I've got a Spanish advertisement from a comic book oh, a couple of years, framed that up, put that up on the wall. That's mm-hmm. um, great. It's, it's got a, I don't know, it's just a, a mailer, a mailer way for Bosk Dinga, maybe nine num, but mm-hmm. it can't be that. But it, it's something strange like that. But um, it looks really cool. And then I love, I mean, the cardbacks. I've got quite a few Bosk cardbacks. I went down the whole cardback route. Yeah. It's just, it's just fun to get in. I've got to, um, manage to get two New Zealand Toll Toys card backs for Bosk,
1: mm-hmm. which
0: I'm pretty happy with because yeah. um, they're bloody hard to come by.
1: So so how do you find stuff in New Zealand then? Because, I mean, I was talking to um, David, the last collector we had on. Yeah, it would have been Dave. Yeah, yeah um, and he he described how incredibly tough it is to find anything in New Zealand. So if you were looking for Toll Toys card backs, how would you go about it?
0: I mean, we've got... An online auction, rather than eBay, ours is called Trade Me. Mm-hmm. And every now and then someone will put up a card back, and you know you, you study it carefully, and you soon know if it's a tall toys one. I don't really want to give it all away, but the tall <laughs> Tol- toys card backs, the bubbles were oversized and a lot bigger. Yeah. So it's so that's unless they don't actually have on them tall toys. Mm-hmm. So from the photos, all you look at is if it's got an oversized bubble. And it's generally more square, mm-hmm. and chances are it's going to be New Zealand toys and then the bidding will go crazy on it because there's mm-hmm. a few of us that know what they are. And, you know, it's just – yeah, it's good that um, they still were here in New Zealand.
1: But they are blooming hard to come by. Oh, I can imagine. Yep. So so you contacted us about a Palatai 30A Bosque. Now, these are pretty yeah. tough to get. Yeah, I mean, even as cardbacks, they're, they're a nightmare to get. And you've got a little bit of a story about this 30A. So uh, would you like to share that story now with our listeners? So, la- end of
0: last year, New Zealand was about to impose a GST tax. On all online orders. So that's like your VAT tax, I would imagine. And we'd never had that for years. So that was, it's one of those taxes that we, we live with now, but it was the night before it was going to kick in. And I'm lying in bed. Hannah must have been out with the babies. I'm lying there, just got my phone on eBay. And in, I was already thinking to myself, right, 2020. I really want to do a, a no buy for Star Wars. You know, it gets to a point after a while where you're like, no, I'm not going to buy anymore. Save my pennies for a bit. But I'm on there the night before the GST kicks in, doing almost stupid Bosque focus searches, which we all do after a while. You know, you type them all in Bosk, it's all saved. And then I did a Bosk Palatoy search, and then uh, one it popped up, and I saw it, and I was like, oh, okay. Cool. That's you know. I, I must already have that one. So and the price was um the price was buy it now for seventy five pound or best offer. And I thought okay, I'll, I'll look at my Star Wars tracker because I use that to um keep all my stuff. And I love the Star Tracker. And I looked through my Mint on cards and oh, I didn't have it there. And I thought oh that's strange. And then I checked my card back. Um, list which I keep in there as well. I did have the card back of it, so I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, I'll go and have a look at that. So I went back and had a look at it. And see, with my collection, I'm not like a guy with all this money, so I actually buy. I'm more than happy to buy a card with a a broken bubble or partially removed bubble or anything like that. Especially for my focus of Bosque, I actually almost prefer mm-hmm. slightly beaten up cards. I don't know, it just gives them more character especially for loose figures. I love good beaten-up figures. I looked at it, and I thought, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I don't have that, so and I, I like a best offer, so I thought I'll do a cheeky best offer, 50 quid. And then um, I did you know, I that offline there thinking, oh, that's pretty cool. Then I thought, I wonder how much these ones sort of go for. Um, so I hopped into the Star Trek, and I did the Palatoy Bosque 30 back A, and I did a search. And then it, only one popped up, and that was a few years ago. That was like for £3,000. And then I'm like, what the hell have I just done? I've just sent off a best offer for 50 when I should just buy it for 75 And then I quickly hopped back in eBay, freaking out a bit, thinking, oh, no, someone else has probably snapped it up because it might have only just gone on. And then, I, then they'd accepted the offer. Then I just couldn't believe it. I was like, "That was you know things seem too good to be true? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, what's going on here? So – I quickly paid for it, sent them a message saying, hi, guys, please um, you know, wrap it up well, and all this is coming to New Zealand, so it's a bit of a trip. And then they sent it off, which is cool. Well, then every few days I'm freaking out, like, oh, I hope it turns up. I hope they even realized how much, you know, previously it sold for. And obviously um, the one that sold for three grand pounds was, you know, beautiful mint condition, and this wasn't like that. But, you know, I was happy anyway because I just wanted it for my collection. I actually told uh, Dave Phillips, the Wellington, about it, and I was pretty excited. I thought I got a good deal because everyone likes to get a good deal, yep. and it turned up at work. I um to open the box. There it was, but I was, initially I was shocked, though, because the Bosque figure wasn't in the bubble and it was wrapped separately, and um, I thought, oh, but I thought it was all supposed to be in there, but obviously um, when they went to pack it, it did have a crack in the bubble. But, um, the figure was, could come loose. They just took it out. So mm-hmm. it annoyed me a bit, but I thought, oh no, it's, it's still, it's all here. And then I looked at the weapon and I thought, oh, that's obviously a repro to start with. You know, you just, you just tell straight away. And then I thought, well, it's okay because I've got plenty of weapons. Find out what the correct weapon is, you know, the correct, um, type to go with the, the card. And I did that that night, wrapped it all up again. And then I sent it off to CAS, CAS for grading. So I love the work they do. And, yeah, that was cool. So I'm like, yep, that was all good. Then they sent it back to me a few weeks later because everything takes longer being down here in New Zealand. i um, a we've got to pay a lot more for shipping. So like when you guys complain, you know, you you buy things in, the, in England, so it's, shipping's hardly yeah. anything. But to get things sent all the way down to New Zealand, it costs an arm and a leg. Yeah. So it's it's always frustrating. But um, so Cass sent it back to me, ripped it open as you do, and then I um I thought, oh, it looks great, but then, and then I read the label and it they had a 1983 pilotory Star Wars ESP-30 back a. And I was like, huh, it's not three, is it? So then I asked, I think I asked some of you guys, and I asked on the eco-variant basis, and they obviously said, no, no, it's clearly 1980. So I emailed CAS to say, hey, guys, you know, made a bit of boo-boo. Um, and they're like, okay, cool, send it back. We'll fix it up straight away. And so that's cool. And then they also said that the footer I had with it sent to them was actually wrong as well. And I don't know, but when I, you know, checked everything out, the weapon, I didn't even bother looking at the footer. I knew I saw there was a bit of green card and I'm holding it in my hand now. And it's clearly just a piece of green card mm. cut badly from someone. Um, I don't know whether they did this years ago, but, um, it's clearly so fake, but you know, I'm going to keep that footer anyway. It's great to have little things like that. And so then I, um, had to ask again on some of the, the groups, what was the correct footer for the pallatory cards? And then I'm thinking, oh, because then, then it was like, then I had to try and track one of them down. And then I was like, oh, no, how long's it going to take? But I did have some other carded figures of Bosk. And I found one I actually sent off to Alan Harris, who played Bosk. So it's got, he signed it. And it had the correct footer cracked anyway. So I took the Bosk out along with that footer and then swapped that footer and with this toy sent it back to CIS, they graded it all correctly with the nice footer, and they sent it back to me. And what I've actually done is they've put a bubble protector oh, around the, the bubble, and that it's been graded just as a loose figure, mm-hmm. so it's, yeah, and it looks really nice. I mean, there's a bit of water damage on it, a bit of creasing, but it's got the great big
1: Palatoy logo, and yeah, it just looks amazing. Yeah, well, for the price you've paid, you certainly can't complain because the loose basket oh. by itself is going to be, what, £20, £25 now, and then your yeah, card it? back, you yeah. know, just, wow, it's still a great deal. So, if I've got to write, the 38 is the one that has Empire Front, and it has the mid-sized Palatoy logo, which is sort of central and at the bottom of the card. Is that the right one?
0: It does look like quite a big logo, but it is centralised at the bottom of his feet.
1: Yeah, the 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 biggest big one was on the twenty bucks. So I think it went oh, a little yeah, smaller, and then it went smaller yeah. again. Yeah. Oh, that's absolutely fantastic story. So if it was mine, I'd rather pay fifty quid plus all the the shipping and have the hassle with CES etc. than oh, yeah. spend three grand on one that I'd be sitting there worried that it's going to burst out of its bubble one oh, day. Yeah. You know. No, exactly. Absolutely brilliant. But
0: I like the uh, bubble, bubble, bubble
1: protectors they put around them. So it's yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Yeah, so the the turnaround from Cass wasn't too bad then for time wise because I I no
0: the, I I think they're really good maybe two
1: three weeks um, Oh, well that is pretty yeah, good yeah especially uh considering this so all busy so what else have you got in your collection then Mark
0: see like uh, like a lot of collectors my collections sort of all over the place
1: at mm. the moment so be with me moment then. well I, I've taken this week well I'm saying this week it's been it's been itty bitty but I've I've started to sort my room out now finally and I found five on cards that I completely mm-hmm. forgotten about. So yeah, I've actually lost
0: them. one. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got a – I'm pretty sure I had a – I think I might have sold it, though. Like, well, there i got some nice Chewy card bags mm-hmm. Uh 12, and I got them really cheap just with the, the bubbles attached to the cards, and then I've mm-hmm. put Chewy on them. But I think I've – I must have sold it, though, but I just can't find them anywhere. But for Bosk, I've got – um, yeah, I've got quite a few. Uh, what's This one, he's really – it's uh, the old 30 – it's a 31B, but it's really, really – Badly beaten up card. Um, I, I actually asked on a Facebook group for a badly. I wanted to find the worst beater.
1: I've got get it. Get I have got Do the you? worst boss. Yep, I'll have to send you a photograph of it. Oh, I just remember now. It's, yeah, it, yeah. The card, it's still sealed. Okay. Yeah. It's still got its punch tab. But the card's yeah. been folded in quarter. Oh. And it's been unfolded back out again at least 20 times. And it's in such yeah. a bad wavy condition. And uh, I paid. Oh, I want to see. I paid about £40 for it, £45. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely <laughs> send you the photograph of this bosque. It's just so oh. – it, for, for it to still survive and not be cracked and the 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 punch tabs still to be there. <laughs> oh, you, you, You'll appreciate it when I send the photo.
0: Yeah, I love that. I mean, out of my bosques – I mean, after a while, you know, when you're focused click you yeah it's all the minutiae that I'm really mm-hmm. getting into. Like, I've got a nice 65-back um, – with the uh, boat, you know, the coin offer, mm-hmm. and it's got some weird label, a weird sticker from some store. I don't even know. It. So it's been marked down. Originally it was three dollars fifty, then it's ninety nine cents now. It's seventy nine cents. Uh, Joseph B. Dahl Kimbler Co. I don't even know where that is. I don't even know where in the world that is. Um, and then I got a nice *Return of the Jedi* forty eight back with the free nine none offer. Mm-hmm. It's probably one of my favourite mint on card because the actual it's a deeper green mm-hmm. the card, the actual photo, it's quite unusual. Um, and it's looks really nice. it's apparently it's, I didn't even actually realise at the time but it's quite a hard one to get. Bad decrease though. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, it's one of my favourites of him. And then I've got a nice mailer set, C A S of all um boxed up for me. And then I'm also just trying to get one of every figure carded mm-hmm. going down that route. So, yeah, that's always fun. Oh, no, I do have a, a great Meccano Bosque, Return of the Jedi, 45 back. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I bought that off, um, that Frenchman. Uh, is it Dorothy? Or, oh, I do Yeah, Funk. Yes. Yep, yep. Yep. Afraid, yeah, yeah. For yeah, because that's not his account, as But yeah, I bought that off him, and, and that's beautiful. Yeah. It's like right up there on the, the top shelf from the Bosque figures. But I've only got a couple of Bosques up on display at the moment, most of them all tucked away. Mm-hmm. And the trial are always nice. And as I said before, I've got a, a couple signed by Alan Harris, but I never met the man. It's a shame, but
1: by all accounts, he sounds like, yeah, pretty lovely. He is. He's a really nice guy. So how, how did he manage getting those signed then, with a, with a purchase signed?
0: No, no. They were, um, Someone, oh, I just been Googling away one day as you do on Star Wars stuff and, um, I must have been in one of the forums. They had like a list of actors from Star Wars that you could actually just send things to them and, um, supposedly they would sign it and send it back. And I, I just had to pay for postage and, you know, I slipped in, I don't know, £10 or something. And yeah, so ho- hopefully it was Alan Harris. Otherwise it was just <laughs> some guy pretending to be him, but he, he signed some of them to Mark and. Uh, one was quite cool. He used a silver pen, and uh, I had. There's someone in America made some custom chrome figures. Um, they used some special paint that actually made, made a nice chrome finish. And I bought two of those, and so I put the chrome figure in the resealed it with the, the bubble and the, the the silver pen signed by Alan Harris. That's quite cool.
1: Yeah, that sounds awesome. Well, we'll start to wrap up now, Mark, because I've kept you a while. So, what is it you're hunting for now? Is it anything any of our listeners could be, um, you know, tagging you on and and keeping an eye out for you?
0: Yeah, well, as I said before, I really am just trying to um, save my pennies at the moment. But I would always love any toll toy, New Zealand toll toys. I'm always keen on that. I don't know if any of you guys can find that. It's be difficult enough in New Zealand, but um, I really am trying to keep them in New Zealand. I know we've got some real gems here and. I won't mention names, but I know of someone who's got like an amazing New Zealand toys piece. So we're just, it's just going to blow everyone's minds when they actually see it. Mm-hmm. That, that's exciting, but um, that, who knows when that'll happen. Also, a lot, a lot of the Spanish bosques, um, when I can get up to it, I'd like to
1: start buying some of those. Well, good luck in your collecting journey, Mark. Many thanks for listening to the Vintage Rebellion and agreeing to come on our podcast. I'm sure our listeners are going to love this interview. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, It's been great. Any working man can do what I have done. For a month or two I simply gave up smoking. And I put my extra pennies one by one into a
4: little tin box, a little tin box that
1: a little tin key unlocks. There is nothing an orthodox about a little tin box, about a
4: little tin
2: This month's licensee is Metal Box Limited, a UK company who produced a small range of Empire Strikes Back items. There's no straightforward history of the Metal Box Company, and you can trace aspects as far back to 1810. The canning of foods in tin cans has been a common method for preserving food for about a century. Before that time, all foods had to be purchased fresh, salted or dried. The industry that developed to produce these cans was originally controlled by numerous family firms, each with a small can-making factory in which workers could turn out around 200 cans in an hour. These family concerns were small, profitable and only mildly competitive in such a large market. Decorated biscuit tins at the turn of the century were very popular many homes had quite large collections of them. There were Alice in Wonderland designs, tins to commemorate every grand occasion and tins resembling miniature cottages or featuring birds, books or beauty spots. The tin making industry grew and since labour costs were low, profits were high. The First World War brought more businesses to the industry and new products had to be manufactured, the ration tin used by British troops. Due to government restrictions on tin, many of the companies in the federation cooperated closely. And after the war, in 1921, four of these tin box makers—Hudson Scott, F. Atkins and Co., Henry Grant and Co., and Barclay and Fry—formed the Allied Tin Box Makers Limited. A year later, they changed their name to Metal Box and Printing Industries. For this month's licensee, I'm going to blame Richard. It's his idea. He suddenly points to my head. Metal Box Limited. Now, if you don't know the Metal Box Limited, you've probably seen them and you probably didn't realise it. But it's not a huge range. I've got a few pieces. Um, I know Richard's got a few pieces. Andy hasn't because he won't touch anything that's not British. Spoons, ooh, that could be, I don't know really. And I was thinking about metal tins and um, still in the shed, I still have some of my dad's Golden Virginia metal tins, which I kept lots of my Star Wars weapons in. And that was like part of my childhood, and Those those tobacco tins. Goodness knows, I must have cleaned them, but uh, I, I probably didn't notice the smell of smoke everywhere. What you guys, any memories of tins when you were
3: kids? My dad was a, a Golden Virginia smoker. Oof. I think I've still got a few of those old tins. I've also got some more recent ones from my uh, early working life when I was a, a filthy roll-up smoker. <laughs> were well, um, you yeah i was yeah long oh. long time ago now but i also have and i've still still got these my um i had uh, communist grandparents who were uh, very <laughs> what real communist grandparents yeah, my grandma uh used to write for the morning star wow and used to go to russia <laughs> because that's that's where you go if you're communist so we've got these sort of strange <laughs> russian tins around which used oh. to keep things like as a as a lad did you have like, boxes of magnets that's the kind of thing you had in the 70s was it as a kid a yeah. box of magnets so they yeah. they would go in a russian tin so and i'm still i don't know what keeping it now one of the russian tins is around it still is. but never never had any star wars tins because they didn't have them in communist russia did they they weren't, weren't allowed it but <laughs> uh, so you know I'm, I'm intrigued by this because it's something i'm not aware of these tins oh well see now you've got my 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 uh interest up because
2: being a, not a fan, that sounds wrong to be a fan of communist things, but I, I, I've I been to a few communist countries, you know, whether they were, well, not when they were communists, obviously, but uh, afterwards and kind of like done a bit of, you know, looking around and, and talking to people about all these kind of things. Like I found those countries absolutely fascinating. You know, Cuba is one of them. Uh, Romania, just after communism fell. Well, not Poland, but uh, they had various kind of like blocks of communist areas. Um, you know, uh, East Germany, I mean, yeah, I've, I've well, got a bit of my, a bit of a communist thing, going on. I mean, it. My mum used
3: to get get packed off to East Germany in the summer. My grandad fought in the Spanish Civil War with the International Brigade, and after that, there was a sort of get together for for kids of those <laughs> communist fighters, and so mum would get sent off to east germany with loads of athletic russians and east germans doing sports So she's got this big collection of, of pin badges from there but she was totally bookish and non-sporty and absolutely hated it, it just felt just felt really really awkward but just like a it's like another world it's, that's uh,
2: crazy andy that is the most bizarre thing i've ever heard on a styles podcast I know this is not a tin-related thing, but my pride and joy is my communist Romanian flag I bought off a gypsy in a market. <laughs> <laughs> Striking thing. I've never seen it like it. It's a, you know, the old flag with the, uh, the communist symbol in the middle. But anyway, let's talk about communism, because the Americans <laughs> will be rather upset. What about you, other
4: Andy? you want got a bit of a tin thing going on at all, Ever? Similar to you guys, really. There were tobacco tins around the place. I think uh, the, I think just about everybody had tobacco tins in their household, didn't they? So, uh, yeah, had um, a few little tins that I used to keep my um, my, my pride and joy in. Uh, I don't think I used them for Star Wars. Uh, I mean, they're ideal for guns and things, aren't they? But uh, I also had air rifle pellet tins as a curiosity. Oh. Um, air rifle pellets again would come in a little tin with a uh, with a lid, uh, perfect for keeping your little trinket in and uh, you know beetles that you found in the garden and all that sort of thing so uh, yeah lots of tins put to all sorts of good uses when i was a kid uh not metal box star wars tins though no oh. um not aware of those at all until no. i was uh, a grown-up collector in my hand at the moment
3: i've got a tin of crimped blanks uh number one six mil I don't know where they they've come from we've Got all kinds of things in what's drawer going here, on like, here have <laughs> so but... got we've got
2: you being a communist <laughs> And uh, and then we got with a gun fetish going on, yeah, you know, some revolutionary thing was going on here, wasn't it? Where, uh, what, i used just missed but, out on all this.
3: I just remember about fishing as well. You used to get your um, your lead shot was it like the little lead weights for the for the line that used to come in little tins. I'm sure we used to have those lying about all over the place as well
2: can't be a little
3: yes. tin you can't be a little tin you know the, the,
2: the, as kids things for tins you know your dad would always have a bunch of tins your mom would have a bunch of tins with things used to come in now they come in packets and it's boring i've got about know about richard now you know he's always you know a few hundred years behind up, up north tins ooh, maybe a bit too
1: modern for him not quite sure i do remember my dad used to steal car badges and when he used to come in from work and I would have like a car badge, you know, quite often. So I used to keep, I used to keep like Ford and Volkswagen and Audi badges that had been taken off cars. And I used to keep them. So I wonder if I had like a collection of tins as well with that. Cause I definitely remember having like a, a, an area that just had all kinds of metal stuff. And the, my favorite car badge was the Ford um, badge, but it was red instead of blue. So there must've been a, a limited run of red Ford badges because um, I used to love that one. And he managed to get a huge uh I don't know if it was Volvo or Scania, but he he got a huge car, it would have been a truck badge, probably <laughs> about I don't know, maybe a foot high. Uh it was it was an awesome badge. I I remember I remember that one made me pride and joy. But yeah, was, we'll, it,
3: was he a fan of the Beastie Boys
1: uh, could, could have been Beastie Boys, yeah. He might have started
2: it off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure our um off our Ford Granada we had a a forward symbol snatched off. I'm sure we were, like, somewhere up north somewhere. Maybe <laughs> Newcastle or something? For sure. Anyway, wow, great and tin memory. I didn't we'd get all that sort of stuff. Never thought we'd have a, some sort of communist uh, revolution on our podcast. The Metal Box Company's base in Reading, Berkshire in the UK, built in the 1970s, was an extraordinary building. It was a four-storey concrete building with a sort of egg box design ceiling. It was often referred to as The Donut because of its ring shape. Former Metal Box marketing manager Nick Mullen said the pool was initially solely for the sprinkler system, but it was decided it was big enough to swim in and at an early age of design was turned into a pool. It also had squash courts and a bar. He said it was a beautiful swimming pool. If you went into a nice hotel or spa, it was that sort of quality. They actually employed people to run the bar area and the pool. The Metal Box Company may have been the only business of its type to employ an actual lifeguard. Let's get on to the actual product range because it's not vast. It's not vast at all. This is not a UK brand, even though they were—I I, believe—they were made in the UK and shipped over to the states. Um, so it was. So Andy, you should really collect this stuff because it is a UK item, even though it wasn't released in the UK officially. Um, we are told by a TomOx guide that it was. And if anyone wants to, like, you know, debate this, they can and tell us that they definitely saw them. But apparently they were uh, metal coin banks and small metal containers in the US, Canada, UK, Sweden, France, Denmark, Belgium, Netherlands, Norway and Germany. But as far as we can tell, they were only released in the States. If you want to tell us any more information, please, because I cannot find anything. But I say there was no range, but there was really a little mini range. So we had some, um, some banks. We had some micro tins which I'm sure Richard will come on to soon, because he loves the micro-tins. Now, um, I've, we've got here macro-tins, which I'm, I'm assuming is slightly bigger than the micro-tins. All oh, the way smaller.
1: around, macro will be smaller.
2: It's smaller than the tins.
4: <laughs>
3: the, on, the, on, the S, uh, on the archive, Yeah, it says the micro-one's a pillbox size, so surely... Can't be smaller
4: yeah, than the, that the micro ones are the small ones yeah macro. The, the macro ones are bigger the, how, how can macro be <laughs> bigger than micro? <laughs> yeah because there's no information about how big they are unless uh, i'm getting
1: made terms
2: one we are surely surely well, macro is tiny well this is the question i want this is why i wanted to
4: say it because it, is it bigger or smaller because you know this is a mystery it is a mystery. Well, the micro tins are definitely the small ones because that's what's written on the store display. Uh, macro tins. I don't know why people refer to them as macro tins. Now, unless, again, there's a store display that... Uh, wow! Uh, exactly. But there is, there is maybe maybe a solution
2: here because in the time guide, they call them the three-and-a-half-inch-high mini tins, six-lid designs. I'm, sure, I'm assuming those are the micro tins. And then it's the one-inch-high trinket tins. So they haven't said the word macro, they've just said one-inch-high trinket tins.
3: Well, back, well, macro is large and micro is small.
2: So. Yeah, I'm completely wrong on that, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm assuming think... that's the way around, because there's uh, there's, ooh, so there's there's six of those and there's six of the others. So um, I'm assuming that when it's, where it says micro tins, those are the micro tins. And these trinket tins must be the macro tins. You've got a range of these, haven't you, Richard? You've got the micro tin... Collection, you got all of them.
1: Yep, just completed the day as I mentioned as I mentioned before with the, um, with the Boba Fett tin arriving after that going missing at Father's Farm. So yeah, I've got the six micro tins, which are obviously the smallest ones in the collection, as I stated earlier. Uh, <laughs> the, the ones the ones that are the pillbox size. I don't know I really like them. They're really nice. They're, they're so, nice little tins.
3: What do you keep in yours, Rich? Yeah, what's Dust. in there? Dust.
2: Dust. So so the marketing designs are um, at at. Mm-hmm. Boba Fett, which you've just completed. Lando. You've also got Luke on a Torn Torn, which is nice. And you've got Luke versus Darth Vader on a micro tin as well, which is not bad at all. You've got Yoda. Yeah, back to six. Yeah, And then on the macro tins, we have got Han Solo. We've got Luke, just Luke. Not doing much else, just being Luke. We've got a ProBot macro tin now. We always come across these things where say, I wonder if that's the only thing that's out there for ProBot. We, we've seen a couple of little random things from Empire Strikes back, but he's got his own thing. You know, again, is is this Probot's only thing? And, you know, he comes as part of a set in an action figure, but is this his proud moment? This is where he gets his own macro tin. So there we go. And there's also a Star Destroyer macro tin. And again, there's a Yoda macro tin. And at least, you know, Han Solo's been recognised this time, because normally he gets largely ignored. I'm, I'm surprised that uh, we haven't got too much Lear love in the macro tins.
4: There's also a Chewy Pete, Miss Chewy in uh, oh, Miss Chewy so, Standing there in the blizzard in Hoth with the snow blowing across him. Yeah. Little bit of conflicting info, because I've never seen a picture of him. I did do a little bit of research earlier on today. Um I read a piece that said there is also a Vader tin and a tin with the droids, but can't find a picture on them, so that might be duff information. So so we've got the, the microtins and macro tins. We've also got
2: the, the banks, which we'll come to we've also got space trunks which remember i you know, for british people that's very confusing because a space trunk what you would you think would be a swimming gear but uh, it's also what you would call a space trunk which is a you know something to hold stuff in so there we go that always, that always confused me i, I have the uh, the space trunk one or one of the space trunks. There's, there's two of them there's a droids probot uh, one and there's a luke lear trunk and i have a rather faded on one side space trunk it's quite a nice little tin actually um very good to display these things Yeah, you know really really like nicely made tins but so they, they do fade and it's got a lear bespin on there which is fantastic you don't see too many lear bespin things on, on items and then we've got pencil boxes as no
1: uh, no 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 i think andy might be alluding to the square tin there's a there's a square tin as well before the pencil box a square tin. Yeah, it's got the droids on, it's got the R2 ProBot. Oh, yeah, like it. It's yeah, a yeah. square Great. tin. It's a bigger tin.
2: Oh, Andy. You're thinking about your square tin. Now it's again on that one, it's really nice, but you've got for some reason the probot is 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 artwork. And you've got Yoda, Darth Vader, and R2D2 are, you know, movie images. So they just went, Ah probot Pff, stuff him. We're gonna gonna use that that image. What's the probot macro tin image? Yeah, same thing. So, yeah, I wonder why they wonder I did that for? maybe it's because it's it's a theory could be that in the film he's quite black, and I guess if you took a still of the film, it wouldn't look great, maybe
4: it's so a nice a... colorful image that isn't it it's the macquarie oh. artwork it's a, it's a great image it's so a lovely orange background but oh. then saying that going back to the space trunk that you've mentioned oh, before space... you've got the one with the heroes heroes so there's another one um it's got uh, it has got r2 and 3p i suppose they count as heroes but the other three images on this uh, space trunk you've got boba fett you've got ig88 and then you've got the probot but it is a photo of the Probot.
2: exactly So he's standing he looks like he's standing around Waiting, Just wait, waiting to be shot yeah. but the ig88 i mean that's the, again that's we don't see too many ig88 images he looks very kind of well ready to cock his gun and have you he has got both his guns there you know he's on the star destroyer he's he he's, well, tell me where it is tell me what the action is but yeah that's a cracking t- i haven't found it. I, I did try to find it for a little while i thought oh, i've got one i don't need another one it's absolutely fine how many things have got Cloud City on them? Well, the Cloud City oval storage tin is a homage to the wonderful world of Cloud City. There's no Lando on it, it doesn't seem. It's just a nice big oval tin you probably keep some biscuits in or something uh, for a trip out. And it's just, it's just a beautiful. Again, it's the Macquarie image of Cloud City, and it's a corker. You, and that's it, think, really.
3: Do you think that you might keep your oval tin in your oval tin?
2: Ooh,
3: ooh nice maybe do you see what i did there yeah i i did i did
2: but you know there we go anyone anyone want that tin that's a nice looking tin isn't it for display
3: it is a nice tin. that's a nice that's a nice image that i'm not sure
2: i want it though a couple of upnoughts on there would have made that a bit more interesting you know or maybe even you know the ice cream guy running through the corridor you see that on a side of a tin Whew, i think you, that would be a bestseller right and we've got pencil boxes every pencil box i've got from yesteryear has rusted quite badly so i don't know what it is a pencil box maybe because they're touched so much and all sorts of stuff's put in them but uh, my space trunk decided how old it is there's hardly a bit of rust on it but i've seen some of these pencil box tins and they are rusted to you know death so i guess just the fact that they've got kids hands on them with all sorts but uh um not the, the most exciting images it, you know you would have thought they could done a bit better they've just you know wanged on the same you know images i think probably the yoda one's the nicest looking pencil box tin it's a nice clear image it fills it up the rest of them have kind of been fitted in there's a chewbacca the darth vader r2 and a yoda one and i am just you know they're not doing much for me the chew is all right but
4: come on pete you gotta to, gotta to love that vader image oh. there in the carbonite chamber the steam rising up around him the yellow glow from the uh, from the Carbonite chamber casting up on him. That's a superb image. I love that one. That's my favourite. I see. I would have thought you could
2: have gone with, you know, him fighting Luke on there. That'd been much better. I mean, Darth, Vader, it's it's a fun image, but I don't know. It's a little bit. As a kid, I, I would have been a bit bored by it. If I'm absolutely honest, Andy, a little bit bored by it. It's looking a little bit too colourful for my liking, in fact. Right now, let's go to the, the the odd items. Now, I was hard to find some of these images, but uh, these are the banks and uh, what is really odd about these banks is so there's three of them and uh, they look quite impressive with some great artwork on there again from the movies and they've got two dials which is very interesting i wasn't expecting that but i guess i guess you need that on any bank don't you really but there's a a very nice looking darth vader one which is a bit better because he's got you know a bit more of a space scene you've got a yoda one so again we've gone with the the people in masks and uh, puppets but the one which intrigues me most is the octagonal bank because it's completely devoid of what we've seen before um can you tell me what is on that octagonal bank guys i think
4: it's brilliant and i would love to find this well this is one of the few that's not got photo art isn't it and um, yes. these are, I think these are stock images, aren't they? I think these appear on quite a lot of products in the Empire era. And I think these were drawn images, presumably prepared and produced by Lucasfilm and issued to companies to put on their merchandise. Usually seen in black and white. These ones are coloured, but there's some great images on there. Is that Han and Luke or is it not?
3: It is no. Han and Luke. And in yeah. fact, it's. Uh, I recognise the Han image, what you're saying there, Andy, that's on some French... Uh, advertising but called luke isn't it that that picture has got luke written under it even though it's hand and i can't remember it on some french uh, advert or flyer we see floating about for sale every now and
1: then look at the color of the jacket as well it's not the blue
3: it's brown
2: <laughs> it is actually i think they look really dynamic actually i, I actually love the color scheme of both of those
4: A couple of other things I can think of that use that same artwork. Um, There were some silver pencil cases done by Frankel and Roth um, and they used some of those images. Um, the other one is um, a scan light lampshade, um, a paper lampshade that had um, various character graphics on, um, and that used some of these images. But the, the one that you guys haven't mentioned yet, which I just love, is the Chewy. Isn't that just fantastic? Yeah. Is is that Chewy or is that the Abominable Snowman? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> it is a great image, that is. It looks I've, really fierce. I've,
4: have you seen the Vader
3: and Leia before then, Andy? Because those are... Uh new new ones on me i'd be interested to see what because vader's looking pretty mean isn't he with his arms folded cylon light that one,
4: well. <laughs> that one with vader with his arms folded that's a really common image i think that one uh, shows up all over the place um, leia again i think the only place i've seen that one is on that scan light lampshade but uh, yeah as um, stock images the, the yoda again is quite common that one appears all over the place um be very interested again if uh, listeners want to send in um any other places where they've seen these images I, i'm I'm sure we can throw up a picture of the tin uh on the uh, social media. It'd be great to find out just where these images um have appeared otherwise
2: now that's um that that bank you know we had the other two banks with the the dials on them now I used to have one of those kind of like dial bank things it wasn't styles one it was just a I still got it actually it's in the loft somewhere um and it was so easy to break into it. It just got frustrating and just annoying. I didn't like it at all, but it's quite good to to play with i remember putting star wars figures in there and getting them you know locked in there as a as a prison it was quite fun but see this is my kind of bank you can just open when you get getting money out you just open it up it's got a you know a nice slot for your coins at the top and maybe the odd note and uh, that's a proper bank for as a kid i don't want any more complex than that but i have to say now we always do this when we when we've been looking at stuff that's something i want to buy i don't care how rusty it is i want that that's just awesome that bank is absolutely brilliant just those images it, it, as, as a kid i would have probably killed you andy for that one the communist andy as he's now called but i yeah i think it's brilliant I red, think that is, red, that's, andy. <laughs> red andy red <laughs> andy dead than red andy i just think that's a brilliant brilliant item That's that is from this range of things uh, that hasn't become my new favourite item. It wasn't just tins. Now, uh, Rich, have you got the store display?
1: No, but I've seen two. Stuart Skinner was selling one at Father's Farm. Oh. And I think he wanted about £150 for it. With It wasn't fully complete, but it wasn't far off. And Tim Drummond, who has a stall at Snoop Paradise, he has one as well, but I don't know if he was selling his or whether he was just- because the box of the
2: micro tins is, is really quite cool. It's a really nice box. It's by International Sales and Marketing Inc. And I had a kind of quick look for that. I couldn't really find anything about them. 72 tins you'd get in each box. I mean, it's a really nice, simple design. It's got the Empire Strikes Back blue logo, which is featured on all the tins. So it's really nice, consistent design. It's got a rather odd star feel, but it, it kind of works. And it actually folds out really quite nicely. The The lid kind of folds out, and you've got all the compartments in there to hold... Uh, each six of the um, designs in a row and pile them up into three rows so it's a really really i mean i'm not a massive fan of uh the sort of stall i So this, this one is pretty cool i actually like that the fact that they've they've kind of done a star wars version of micro tins in the typeface as well which is a little bit strange but uh i like the effort <laughs> the eyes a little bit off but there we go they obviously they obviously try to get that disappearing into the background but so yeah um i don't think there's much else in terms of display not what, what i can find there's there's not a huge huge range searching on this international sales and marketing i did actually find an advert from tkrp i believe that was a, a magazine some put together but that was an advert of it that featuring the tins coming and that's that's probably about it um i couldn't really find a great deal so it was not a massive range uh, i'd love to know why they went into just the, the States, and they didn't really come over here, allegedly. Did they just not sell? Is, is that why we see a lot of them? I don't, I don't really know. I mean, goodness knows, if you've seen those banks and the trunks, you would have loved those sort of things. Um, and you'd have thought maybe something inside of them, maybe. I mean, you know, maybe they should have come with sweets. Maybe that had been a, a better thing. Guys, what's your overall thought of this range? It's quite small and, and cute. Um, spoons, you've not, you've not said too much about uh, maybe collecting these now.
3: Um... <laughs> I must say then they're, they're not really <laughs> not really doing it for me. Uh I do like that I do like the um the display box. That now that looks good and seeing the full run of tins there uh, I they do appeal a little bit more. I do like the banks I suppose with the uh, the dual dials. I think they're they're quite interesting. But it's not you know I don't remember Star Wars tins uh they, I suspect the the majority of these are fairly battered, aren't they? They're fairly, I mean, are, are mint unused ones particularly <laughs> easy to come by? You do see them. I mean, I mean, it's not unusual
2: to see them. I mean, I think Richard, you, you didn't struggle too much to get your range of tins, did you? You just, I mean, I mean, you do
1: see them pop up quite a lot. They're dead easy. You can get. I think uh, I've seen them going for five or six quid, but honestly, you can get them all for like three pound each. Dead easy.
3: Yeah. Is that is yeah. that all they cost? Is it? I mean, I could, you know. Uh, I am very easily led, yeah. and uh, uh, I could probably see myself buying some. Only three pounds. We ended up.
1: Well, I'm delighted to welcome back Mark for our rapid fire. Are you ready, Mark? I am. Go for it. What was your first figure purchased as a child?
0: Don't know if I purchased it, but I do know that the first figure I ever received from my father was a Bosk.
1: What's your favourite cardback image? That's actually a tough question.
0: Return of the Jedi Darth Vader.
1: Oh, I've never had that one before, that's a good one. Favourite figure, vehicle or playset as a child?
0: Ah, uh, see as a child I wasn't one of those lucky kids with a lot of toys, so I had... My favourite vehicle would have that I used the most was either the speeder bike or the Cap 2.
1: Yeah, speeder bike was awesome. Favorite figure, vehicle, or play site now as an adult? I
0: suppose my favorite figure is Bosk.
1: What's your favorite Star Wars movie?
0: Return of the Jedi.
1: And what's your favorite Star Wars character on screen?
0: Okay, I really like. Darth Vader's pretty cool. Yes, Darth Vader.
1: <laughs> what's your favorite convention or event that you've attended so far?
0: Well, in New Zealand, and especially Christchurch, we don't have uh, a heck of a lot. We just have some, uh, one called Armageddon every year, mm-hmm. which barely touches on any uh, Star Wars little and vintage goods. But I was, I am starting up. Well, with COVID nineteen, it's different. In a few months, we were going to me and some buddies are going to start up a, a geek market here in Christchurch, and I'll be selling uh, vintage Star Wars and lots of eighties things. So that that'll be the future favorite convention.
1: Oh, that sounds great. Make sure you send us information on that. We'll share it out on oh, our sure. social media as well. Absolutely. What do you think is the most boring figure in the entire line? Probably.
0: probably just the White Bespin guard, I think. Always found him pretty
1: boring. <laughs> would you, what would you say your holy grail item is?
0: Oh, that would be a Minton card Bosque New Zealand Toys back card, but I I doubt it even exists anymore, but um, if one is out there, I'll be very happy to acquire that. I was just about to
1: ask that because I've got no idea if those exist at (laughs) all. What's your biggest Star Wars collecting regret?
0: Well, I mean, like a lot of people, starting out buying the loose figures, not buying enough of them with their complete weapons. I mean, even now, six years later, I'm still don't have some of the weapons and it's just it's gotten so far now that i just i can't be bothered paying all the crazy money for the little black blasters yeah. and things like that yeah
1: what's your favorite
0: star wars license favorite license uh i really like the spanish stuff actually
1: mm-hmm.
0: the ppb yeah or the poke i don't know how you say that yeah, but um POC. i've got a couple of those catalogues Wow! Or well, the you know the ones from Javier. Yeah. And like his, his books are beautiful and just I love. It's like vintage porn. Looking at all the um, <laughs> the artwork and all the figures and the, yeah. It's just yeah, beautiful. It's, it's easily my favourite actually.
1: Yeah, I've got volume one, but I haven't bit the bullet on oh. volume two yet.
0: Volume two, I he's even surpassed the first volume. The, the, they're easily the most beautifully designed vintage Star Wars collecting reference books I've ever seen. And I actually wish more people. I wish more people would, um, especially for I mean, Palatoy and Kenner, just all books the same style.
1: Yeah, It'd be lovely. What's your favourite Star Wars costume worn on screen?
0: Uh, probably the Emperor's Royal Guard.
1: Mhm. Yeah, we get that a lot. Yeah, great. No?
0: Yeah, I've got I've got one of their helmets. It's always fun to pop on and scare people.
1: <laughs> what was the best time period to be a Star Wars fan?
0: Probably originally when the figures first came out. But rather than being a kid, maybe being, you know, about 20, 25 and buying them all. But then at the same time, you really need to play with them as a kid to really get the nostalgia and the click in
1: them 40 years later, so. And finally, if you had to take just one item with you to another planet, what would it be and why? Uh, it would be
0: my CP30, the cased up by Cass, and it's with the um, New Zealand Toll Toys. 48 back which is um one of the rarer cards and annoyingly it actually has cp30 the figure cut out neatly by my sister and so it's cased up yeah missing the actual you know the photo of cp3 plus the weird thing was that the figure we had as a kid would always fall apart and i don't know whether it's because we lost the screw when we first got it, or whether it was just one of these non-Sonic welded figures, because as far as I can remember, it would never stay together. Mm-hmm. So it was quite fun to play with it, because you know, we would play and he was the first one to get shot. You'd let him go and he falls <laughs> apart. Um, so I've actually got them to grade case CP30 figure, and he's all separate mm-hmm. in their boxes, but it
1: it's beautiful. So I grabbed that. Wow, some great answers there. We'll I'd love to have a photo of that one for sure. Okay, so that's really great show that guys, so let's head over to the outro then. So, I want first of all to start off with Darth Mark, who goes by Star Wars Toy Pod. So, you may have seen his podcast, uh, formerly Blue Harvest Toys. Uh, spends much more time on YouTube now. But, Darth Mark and Matt Bunce, and anybody who goes to Father's Farm will know Matt Bunce. He's often the first one or two in the queue for early bird tickets when he comes into Father's Farm. Uh, They invited me to the Pala Boys live toy chat, uh, which is on Mark's YouTube channel now. So for about an hour, um, not a lot of structure to it, just talking about some items. I showed some of my items from my collection, discussion of some modern things, discussion on vintage pricing and various other things. So that was great to be on there. And I know Mark spends a lot of time on Twitter sharing things and thanks for sharing our shows, Mark, and commenting. Uh, So over on Star Wars from UK, Ian Palafan, who always leaves us a great review, but I'm going to read this one out um, because he's got more information on the Star Raiders. So he said they only just started this month's show but wanted to mention that the Star Raiders are MIGO sized and they are actually 8 inches tall. So those were the figures that glow in the dark and I think it was a guy who was called Chris Simmons from memory. He uh, had both versions, the glow in the dark and the non glow in the dark. I love these figures, although only have a few, but massive congratulations to Chris for his most impressive achievement as this is a tricky set to put together like he has. They went under another few names as well whilst they were released and came with a slightly different outfit on. I'm thinking the QC was out the window on this lot, certainly so. There is also another Tomlin series that was released around the same time and around 4 inches in height, in which I have a near complete set, although it's a mixture of Glow and non-Glow versions. I'm sure these really confused if for your grandparents out there and I can imagine kids opening these as presents and expecting Star Wars only to be greeted by these. I do love these as well and they've been my main collecting focus for the past few years. Looking forward to hearing the rest of the show so once again Ian for uh, your great feedback. We don't have much more feedback from your case. I'm guessing that people are still plowing through the show and we have recorded this one earlier than normal. Um, huge thanks to everybody on Twitter who's been engaged in conversations with Chris Porteous, who is our social media. Chris has been, as Pete mentioned at the start of the show, getting some stuff together for YouTube and he's been interacting great on Instagram, he's been in- interacting on Twitter, so that's great to see the Vintage Rebellion getting more engaged on there because we tried our best numerous times but it's, it's just too much for us to keep going. which
2: I, I... Let's just give him a, a bit more than just uh, social media. I mean, the stuff he's doing with YouTube is just epic. He's 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 really. I mean, it's quality, isn't it? It's absolute quality what he's doing. Um, he's putting some of. A, he's going to put more and more content from the shows, uh, interviews, uh, features we might have done, and he's just you know just, just you know take me years to do that, and he's just doing it in like five minutes. He is so good. I mean, this guy
1: is quality, quality, quality. Thank you, Chris. We love you. Absolutely. And anybody who's seen the videos from collecting track in Chicago, they were all shot by him and edited together. So he's, you know, absolutely saving us, you know, so much time. And in fact, let's be honest, we would have never have done the stuff that he's done. So absolutely brilliant. Uh, so please go and check out our YouTube channel, subscribe to it, and leave some feedback, especially on the quality of what Chris is doing. Um, and we've had quite a few new followers as well on youtube so that's great to see so perhaps it is a market that we should be expanding more in. over on facebook alistair kirkland another awesome episode team great to hear about the international events especially given our current state of restrictions from norway and from spain didn't expect to go to two countries in that one episode just fell together nicely He's definitely going to revisit his sticker collection to see what he can add after listening to the podcast. I'm looking forward to the next instalment. Stay healthy, guys. So cheers, Alistair. Thanks for leaving us feedback uh, fairly often. Um, many thanks to all the people who left us shout-outs and likes. Ross Cargill and the usual people, Mark Catley, who obviously was one of our interview guests this month, for leaving feedback and continuing to support the show. And over on Tantive, again, nice to see that Clint has been back posting more regular. Um, Hope you're feeling healthier now, Clint. OK, I know you had got a couple of troubles a few months back, but hopefully you're back up on your feet again. Special, special thanks to our two interview guests this month. So, obviously, Mark Catley, who was our main interview guest, but also John Lennon as well for uh, giving the time to do some web briefings. If anybody wants to leave us any feedback, that you can message us on social media by searching The Vintage Rebellion, sending an email to at com, or by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or YouTube. So, without much further waffle, it's goodbye from Pete waffle me I never waffle you I, when
2: do I ever waffle I never ever waffle Richard that's a terrible thing to say
1: and
4: it's goodbye from Andy Preston cheers guys stay safe stay healthy and remember whatever other crap is going on in the world Star Wars will always be there
1: As uh, so a goodbye from Andy Norton goodbye all and it's a uh, later guys from me and remember only you can decide with Star Wars Toys This podcast is not endorsed by Disney, Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox or anybody who cares about the Star Wars franchise. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. All names and sounds of Star Wars are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited and other associated copyright holders. All of the original content of this podcast are the intellectual copyrights of the Vintage Rebellion. If you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to email swtvrpodcast at gmail.com. If you don't enjoy this podcast, tough. Are Star Wars products going to have the durability of, say, that old favourite, the teddy bear? Teddy! (laughs) And it's goodbye from Andy Preston.
4: Goodbye!
1: who really has I'm, goodbye I'm muted and a- I, uh, a- a- Andy Preston is the one who's not spoons if that helps you cheers guys stay safe stay
4: healthy and remember whatever other crap is going on in the world Star Wars will always be there
1: as uh, so a goodbye from Andy Norton goodbye all and it's a uh, later guys from me and remember that must be a record and, and, and thank you Andy Preston for deliberately giving us an, out, an outtake at the end there that was very decent of you I could tell you were sitting there thinking what can I do to provide an outtake and yeah, you nailed that one
2: you're That's very good. welcome mate it's very smooth tonight wasn't it mm, very no good. flibbling and
1: flobbling straight in there I, I, I may get this edited tomorrow <laughs> <laughs>